towards everybody. Commissioners, this is roll call. We are waiting on commissioners to come out. One. Oh, we're gonna start. Good morning, good morning. We're gonna go ahead and call this meeting to order. I don't like banging the gavel, so. You ready, Beam? Beam is gonna bang the gavel today. All right. We're calling this meeting of January the 24th, 2017 to order. Um, at our meeting, we were, it's customary that we start with the pledge. This morning, I have the Pledge of Allegiance led by none other than our fabulous Commissioner Udine. As is customary in our chambers, we observe a moment of silence every meeting to honor those who serve here and abroad, as well as community activists, leaders, and persons within our community that we'd like to remember. Uh, is there anyone on the dais that have someone that they wish to remember? Commissioner Lamarca? No? Okay. <laughs> Anybody else? Okay, with that, we'll have a moment of silence. Thank you, you may be seated. So I know that you all were enjoying our wonderful music coming from our nice speakers this morning. And each uh, morning on Tuesday, we have songs to get us started, to get you in an upbeat mood. Um, the songs that were chosen for us today were by Commissioner Lamarca. You too, it's a beautiful day, and tears for fears, everyone wants to rule the world. <laughs> I like that. I like that. Those are two of my favorite songs. So, uh, before we get to the agenda this morning, we have some items to attend to. Uh, first, I would like to start with the Broward Means Business Moment by recognizing Neighbors Food Market. Mr. Luis Diaz, please come to the podium if you're here. Is he here? Yes. Wonderful. And next, Commissioner Holness, um, is that for his, he's from your district. Would you like to come down to the podium with me so that we can give him this um, proclamation? Okay, this proclamation reads, whereas Neighbors Food Market is a supermarket located in Sunrise, Florida with 45 employees, and whereas Neighbors Food Market has recently celebrated its 10th anniversary in its current location, and whereas Neighbors Food Market prides itself on being the community's food store, which is large selection of Caribbean products. 
And whereas President Luis Diaz has nearly 30 years experience in the supermarket industry and formerly served as the Vice President of the East Sunrise Residents Association, and whereas Mr. Diaz and Neighbors Food Market partner with local co county and state officials on programs that serve the interests of the community. Now, therefore, be it proclaimed by the Board of County Commissioners of Broward County, Florida, the Board hereby designates Tuesday, January the 24th, 2017, as Broward Means Business Neighbors Food Market Day in Broward County, Florida. Thank you. You're very welcome. Thank you. So with, um, we have certain areas in our communities that uh, suffer with not being able to access food, and we call them food deserts. And typically they are in some of the lowest income areas in um, our Broward County. And Neighbors Food Market has really done a great job at stepping up and filling those gaps. And so that's why we wanted to not only recognize you for the jobs, but also for the fact that you are really serving a group of people that really need um, access to food, and we thank you. Thank you. Okay. If I may just quickly add, my main reason for selecting Lois and Neighbors is the fact that whenever there's a community project, he's always there. Big Mama has her Thanksgiving giveaway, uh, and each year there's a certain number of turkeys that are given food and groceries. And I don't want to tell everybody that you give away stuff and, <laughs> and you discount stuff. But, but it, it, it is really refreshing to find a community, community partner such as his. His margin in terms of profit is not great, but he's always willing, if not give, at least give a discount to his cost. Uh, I think it's a wonderful thing that you do for the community. Thank you. Thank you. Wonderful. Um, oh, Commissioner Holness, I should have had you stay down there. You're next again. Um, Commissioner Holness would like to recognize some members of the community for the Paint the Town Blue. Would all the folks that participated in Paint the Town Blue come forward, please? This is a project by Turner Construction Company. Uh, Turner Construction has several programs that they do in terms of giving back to the community uh, that I've participated in over the years. One is they have a, a training program for folks in the construction industry to get certifications and to help get them along the way to, to be more proficient in their business and to get opportunities. Uh, this project, however, was on their... Uh, 
the, one of their annual event where they go out to communities, low-income communities, and assist with ensuring uh, that they help to spruce the community up and bring the community up. And there's a wall in Sistrunk Boulevard just west of 27th Avenue, uh, between 27th Avenue and, and uh, 31st Avenue. And they, the community complained about it, that it hadn't been maintained for years, probably 30, 40 years it hadn't been painted. And I brought it to the attention of the Turner Construction folks, and they were willing to help. Went out, you drive by now, it's a totally different look, feel to the community as a result of the great work that they did. Uh, so I want to make sure that we give, recognize them and give these uh, appreciation certificates to them. So we have three members. You can see there are a large number of people that, that participated. Uh, and this is a certificate of appreciation presented to Karim Fayaz for your participation in Paint the Tom Blue and Sistron. Thank you so much. Thank you very much. And the same for Destiny Bannister. And also for, for Raul Velarde. Okay, we're good. I still want you to do it. <laughs> so Turner's been in the industry for more than 100 years, and we give back to the community as much as that we can. He said from training programs to volunteer work, and we as a community, as an organization, take pride in that. Uh, we, we want to give back, and we love being in touch with the community, and just to see the before and after, uh, it, it's been a while since I see it, and you know, smile got into my face that we were able to do something like that. So thank you guys for, for the partnership, Commissioner, and uh, for reaching out to us, and love to, to work with you. Thank you. Thank you again. Okay, we're going to move right along here this morning. 
Our next item on our agenda is our favorite, well, my favorite. It's like one of my favorite items, and that is employee recognition. Because these are the people that make Broward County what it is, and um, we're so proud of them, and so we want to honor them today. And so I'll be joining Ms. Henry at the podium for employee recognition. Good morning, commissioners. Today we have employees in, that are celebrating 20 years, 25, 30, and yes, 35 years of service. So why don't I begin with those celebrating 20 years of service. Gilbert um, Gorchado with Transit. Tracy Kelly from Libraries. Yannick Lacadre, and Yannick is with Family Success. Debbie Yensa from Libraries. Menzer and Barbara is with Housing Finance and Community Development. Congratulations. No, 
Ellen Pincus, and Ellen is with Community Partnerships. Jeffrey Scott, and Jeffrey's with Transit. Marsha Ward and Marsh and Marsha's with libraries. Miller with libraries. Celebrating 30 years of service, we have Dominic Borgia and with ETS, our technology partner. Rita Charles, Rita is with libraries. Ramos and Luis is with aviation.
we were sharing a little secret with Luis um, when you, uh, for those of you that had the opportunity to go out to Terminal 2 after our unfortunate incident, you can pay a special uh, congratulations to um, the team that really worked uh, tirelessly to bring our airport back together. He's one of those gentlemen, so we really appreciate that. Stephen Vinnick, and Stephen is with Libraries. and Carol is with Community Partnership. years of service. Hmm, Herman Grant. Herman? Herman is with Fleet Services. with transit also. But not least with us today is Sharon Smart, and Sharon is with libraries. 
Thank you, commissioners. Okay. All right. Nothing like employee recognition to get the morning started right, right? Okay. Yeah. And then the rest will be from the dais, I'm sure. Oh, for audience. Okay, so now we got um, everything quieted down a bit. That was exciting. I hope that you all are really full of adrenaline so that we can move this agenda very quickly today, right? Okay, look at that. Oh my goodness, I've already got a, a, a motion in a second. Okay, so I'm going to read the Tuesday morning memo and the consent items are items one through 29. Uh, public hearing items of items 30 through 33 and regular items are items 34 through 44. For those of you who are first joining us today, we have some public participation reminders. Please turn off or silence your cell phones. Um, any member of the audience who wishes to be heard on an item that, that the commission is addressing needs to come forward and fill out a speaker form. Once the item is called, you will not be allowed to speak on the item. And so if you have not already done so and you wish to speak on an item, please go to the right and see our minute secretary to fill out that item. Uh, when you're called upon, you'll have three minutes to speak. Please keep your comments brief into the uh, topic being discussed. We ask that you address the, the commission in a polite manner and refrain from making any impertinent slanders, remarks, booing, or catcalls. Uh, for those of you that are in the audience, please respect the views of the others today that are speaking. Um, as such, when the person is speaking, please um, respect their opinion and do not um, make any sounds or cheering or clapping or any of that type of stuff. All right, so I'm going to read the Tuesday morning memo. I had to summarize it. It's too long right now. Um, the consent items are 1 through 29, public hearing 3033, regular 34 to 44. I request the following withdrawals and Scrivener error corrections and inclusion of additional information. 
Um, item number 35 that's listed on the, the uh, agenda for a possible deferral by Commissioner Bogan, who's not with us today. We are going to, at the time that we hear that item, we're going to go ahead and take the audience comments. We're going to take comments from this dais so that if in the event that that item is deferred, that staff will have the opportunity to go back and uh, consider those uh, comments and consider those um, requests prior to bringing that item back. Scrivener's errors. Item number 11, the agreement in exhibit two includes duplicate pages. It includes 64 pages, but only the last 32 pages are the final agreement with signature pages. Item number 17, exhibit three, paragraph two, line two of resolution title currently states pertaining to the development capital program. It should state pertaining to the redevelopment capital program. Item number 36, on page four of the 2017 state legislative program, it currently states attainable workforce housing and it should state affordable and attainable. Item number 36, in 2017 state fundamental principles on page 16, it currently states attainable housing and it should state affordable and attainable workforce housing. There's additional information. Item number 15, the signature pages have been received. And I request without objection that items number 34, 37, 40, 43, and 44 be moved to consent. There's additional material. Items number 1C to 1K, there's board appointments. Item number 17, there's clarifying amendments submitted by Vice Mayor Bean Furr. Item number 18, there's a clarifying amendment submitted by Vice Mayor Bean Furr. Item number 36, there's a memo to the board submitted by Commissioner Nan Rich. Item number 39, there's a memo to the board submitted by the County Auditor's Office. On the public hearing portion of the agenda, on item number 33, there's a memo to the board submitted by the County Auditor's Office. And item number 33, paren two, there's a memo to the board submitted by the Port Everglades Department. That concludes the reading of the Tuesday morning memo. I'm going to go around the dais at this time. And we're going to consider pulls from the agenda. Commissioner Udeen? Commissioner Rich? Commissioner Bogan is absent today. He's excused. Commissioner Ryan? No pulls. Vice Mayor Furr? Have to make up for everybody else. 17, 18, 19, and 43. Seriously? Yeah, real quick, real quick. Okay. 17, 18, 19, <laughs> and 43? Okay. Commissioner Lamarca? Just keeping 43 on regular. Keep 43 on regular? Okay. 13, 15, 16, 18, 19, 23, and 24. You're joking. Sorry. I'm You're not. joking. I'm not. Okay. And I'll be as quick as being. Okay, I'm going to try. Okay, say it again. 13? 13, 15, 16, 18, 19, 20. That's half the consent agenda. Okay. Commissioner Holness? Commissioner Geller? I, I pulled whatever the two of them did. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> County Administrator? <laughs> County Attorney? <laughs> County Auditor? None, ma'am. Just to let you know that commission meetings cannot go on without five of us. So if it just in, in the event <laughs> that you're here all night, you'll be here by yourself. Okay. That, I, that, that's true. But you don't get paid to bloviate. Okay. One, two, three, four, five, six, 
seven, eight, nine, ten. I have ten speakers on item number 35 uh, from the audience. And as far as public hearing, I've got item 30, 31, 33. Okay. Yeah, audience polls. Oh, hold on. I'm just making sure before I give you a, um, get the motion on the consent. So we're going to keep, so we have 10 speakers on 35. So you guys know that when we have a lot of speakers on the item, we decrease the time to two minutes. So on 35, you're going to have two minutes to speak on that item, just so you know ahead of time. Um, and then on the consent agenda now, we, it was items 1 through 29. Now it's going to be minus items 13, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 23, and 24. So that's um, on consent agenda. That's the, those are the items that have been pulled. And then on the items that were going to stay on regular, I have item number 43 that will stay on regular. And at this point in time, I need a motion for the well, consent agenda. Madam Mayor, who pulled item 23? 23 was Commissioner Lamarca. I thought you pulled 24. You pulled 23 both. and 24? He pulled he both, both of them. 35 is not going to be deferred. I said we were, before we're going to discuss that item, and, and then we'll have to vote on deferral if we choose to do that. Okay? All right. So can I have a motion for the consent agenda as amended? So moved. Okay, all in favor of the consent agenda signify by saying aye. 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 All opposed? Minute Secretary, do you have it as I've read it or do you want me to read it again? You got it, okay, wonderful. Okay, with that, um, I'm gonna start with the first item pulled from consent, that's item number 13, Commissioner Lamarca. Thank you, Madam Mayor, I'll be brief. I pulled item 13 for obviously for positive comments and I, uh, I may have a question for Mr. Swindell, who's in the audience. Uh, you know, over the past few years, I, four specifically, uh, I've had the honor and privilege to serve on the, on the Greater Fort Lauderdale Alliance uh, from this commission. And it just, over the past six years that I've been here, this, the numbers speak for themselves, but the relationship with this board uh, has gone from some somewhat adversarial six years ago to 100% supportive uh, of this organization, which is uh, which is identified here what they're doing. But I wanted to just highlight a couple things and, and, and appreciate the the support from this board. Uh, strong kudos for the Greater Fort Lauderdale Alliance for nearly doubling the stated goals of helping to create 1,400 new jobs, which that was the stated goal was actually 2,393. Um, there was. Uh, Another area that I wanted to highlight, and that was uh, increased capital investment. And that's that's money coming to our to our destination here for for uh, projects, and that was up by 136 percent. And very important to to me and uh, to this board is the uh, fiscal responsibility of the Greater Fort Lauderdale Alliance, uh, and they outraised and collected 2.1 over 2.1 million dollars, which is 12 percent more than their goal of 1.8. Uh, to be raised from investors and partners, and I think the number of public participation in percentage form has gone from uh, almost half to under 40% now, I believe is the number. Um, so I want to just, just really thank the Alliance for their work and thank the community for working together, an ex excellent example of public-private partnership. 
um, and especially when private is doing more of the more of the lift. Uh, if I could, Ms. Henry, can I ask uh, Mr. Swindell to come up just on one one particular issue that I had? <laughs> Thank you, Mr. Swindell. Thank you, Ms. Henry. Mr. Swindell, good morning, and thanks for being here. Good morning, Commissioner. Thanks for your hard work. Um, just want to talk briefly, uh, if you could update us on, because everything we've been dealing with in the economic situation of today, which is much more positive than it was in years past, but we know that we have uh, members of our community that are hardworking and want a job, and we have low unemployment, and we have an uh, overabundance of unfilled jobs. Uh, but a skills gap that's going on. And I know that J.P. Morgan, our corporate partner, put up uh, about $120,000 to do a, a study. And could you just update us on that so that we can place folks who want to work in great jobs, but uh, they may be different than the jobs of yesterday for them? Thank you very much, Commissioner. And first of all, I want to thank you. Uh, as Commissioner Lamarca stated, um, the support from the commission has been phenomenal. The support from administration and the Office of Economic and Small Business Development has never been stronger. Um, and that's the reason we're seeing success like this, is working with organizations like CareerSource, Broward, um, and other partners, the port, the airport, um, everyone working together in the same direction. Um, one of the most frustrating for me and my team um, is not making a big enough impact in areas like Commissioner Holness's uh, area. We, we commonly refer to it as 33311. We want to see high skill, skilled jobs and high wages going into those communities as well. Um, that's why we asked uh, J.P. Morgan Chase to support a skills gap analysis for Broward County. We want to identify specifically where those skills gaps lie. We believe that there are a lot of certificate and additional training that might be less than a four-year college degree that would qualify people for these um, high-wage skilled jobs. And part of that is going to, to employers and asking them, if you have a four-year degree requirement, is that really realistic of today's environment? Maybe a two-year degree or certificate would, would satisfy the needs for your business. Um, so as we pull that data in, uh, we expect that report to be delivered in March. Uh, our consultants gave an update to our board of directors last week. Um, I'm really happy with one thing in particular. We talked a lot about what students want today. I'm very happy with the fact that over 7,000 Broward County public school students have responded to our survey of students. And that's just an incredible number. Our consultants have never seen that kind of participation before. So again, another key partner than that is Broward County Public Schools have been incredibly supportive. Superintendent Runcie and his team have been great about getting that survey out. But we're surveying residents in Broward County, business owners in Broward County, and students in Broward County. Anyone that wants to fill up that survey that hasn't as a resident, um, they can go to gflworks.org, and the survey is right there. It's an easy survey for residents to take. We would love to see more residents. And that survey is going to be open. We actually extended the opening until the end of this month to get as many survey responses as possible. Thank you, Mr. Swindell. Appreciate that information. Um, I know that from uh, some of the recent uh, visits of Governor Scott for business openings, some of the number, and I'm not sure of the, ac the exact accuracy of this number, but at least 350 to 375,000 jobs statewide are unfilled, and total, total uh, unemployment in the state is about 490,000. So, if we were able to address that skills gap, we'd have we'd have close to zero percent unemployment in the. In the entire state of Florida, and, and cer we're certainly doing our lift here, but I want to thank you for, for getting J.P. on uh, J.P. Morgan on board and, and doing this uh, study, and I would definitely encourage anybody to uh, listen to this meeting, and I'll post it in social media, but gflworks.org, because we want to get that information so that we can get everyone into a great job. Thank you, Bob. Thank you, Commissioner. I've been repeating this statistic for a, a long time, but <laughs> I think as Commissioner, you should be very proud. Last, last month, Broward County was identified as the top county, this is county in the country, 
for new job growth in the nation by the Bureau of Labor Statistics. Number one, at Broward County has never been number one before. That's an incredible statistic. That's external validation of what we're doing in Broward County. Thank you. Thank you. Um, I do have two commissioners in queue, and I'm going to continue to move this agenda. Commissioner Fur, followed by Commissioner Holness. Thank, thank you. you. Commissioner Lamarca, you're finished, right? Yes, ma'am. Okay. Thank you. Commissioner Fur. Thank you. Thank you, Bob, for, for being here today. And I had a chance to go to, to, your, to the debut of the data that was uh, delivered by J.P. Morgan, and it was pretty impressive. And the, uh, what, I was very, what I really liked seeing was you kind of changed the, the sh a shift on the way we were thinking in terms of how we were bringing businesses here. And, you're, and I, I want, that, may, that meant a lot because you had been talking about the, the need or, for this county to always give incentives to try to bring businesses. And at that meeting, you had talked about the, a, a whole different way of looking at it and the idea of creating the talent that would that would be that would businesses would be looking for. Are, are you seeing that throughout the United States, or is, or, or is that really us looking at it that way? I think the industry has gone through a shift, Vice Mayor, and that it's really if you have the talent, the companies will come to you. But it's getting the word out that you've got the talent, and it's a strategy called a talent hub and building a reputation. Okay. You know, we're focusing on aviation, information technology pharmaceutical manufacturing, information technology, and, uh, and marine, marine industries. Um, I think building that reputation, the talent is here, will draw the companies. You, you know, BlackBerry came to us um, because we had the talent here. It was, it was you know, a lot of the folks working at Motorola. But that, they have two design centers left in the world, one in Waterloo, Canada, the second is in Sunrise, Florida. And they came here because of the talent. So am I thinking long term for sustainability? That's the brand we have to we have to invest in our talent, invest in workforce training, and that'll attract the, the businesses and the companies here. Yeah, I was, I was real impressed with that change of thinking. Instead of just throwing money at a business and trying to get them here and then giving them some type, type of tax abatement. Or, this is a much better way to go about it. I think it is long term. Uh, it does look at the sustainability of it. I also like the way that it has the emphasis on the education. So thank you for that. And, I, and the one thing I think was missing in terms of some of the statistics was the survey done by local businesses. I know we had about 240, but obviously we have thousands of businesses. So that to, the, to that end, all businesses that are listening right now, we, we need those surveys in if you could do that. Thank so, you very much. So thank you very much. Next person in queue is Commissioner Holness, followed by Commissioner Ryan. Thank you very much, Bob, for the great partnership uh, that we have enjoyed uh, over the years that I've been here. Uh, and I'm delighted to hear from you your concern for areas such as zip code 33311. Uh, in fact, I was at Dillard High School for a good portion of yesterday afternoon with uh, Principal Cassandra Robinson discussing the need to ensure that communities such as that have information as to where these jobs are. For example, we talked a bit about the marine industry, where you really don't necessarily have to have a four-year degree to get involved, but you get good paying jobs if you have the skill sets to perform the work. And she's willing to host events such as those at Dillard High School uh, to, to partner with the community. And, and actually, my intent was that we spend some time, you and I, to discuss how we can get uh, industry folks into communities such as those that have been left behind uh, in terms of the job opportunities and other economic opportunities. 
Uh, in fact, Dillard sits just on the edge of uh, Franklin Park, which is in my district, which currently has 22% unemployment rate. Uh, so though we might have low unemployment in many areas, there's still communities that, for a, a whole host of reasons, don't have the opportunities for whether or not someone didn't finish high school, whether or not someone might have had a run-in with the law, uh, and, and other issues. And I think that it's a very important thing that we as a community, the Broad County, focus on how we get these census tracts uh, throughout Broad County, not just in my district, there are other parts of our community uh, that have high poverty, high unemployment. How do we reach down and help those folks lift themselves up? Uh, so I look forward to furthering that conversation with you as we go forward. Again, thank you for the work that you do. Thanks, okay, guys, this was a thank you. With that, so Mayor, I'm going to uh, make a motion you. to approve that, and uh, it's Second. great to see that we lead the 3,069 counties in the United States. I still have a queue, Commissioner Lamarca. Thank you for pulling item 13. Um, <laughs> Commissioner Ryan, yeah, I, I know, but please be brief. Commissioner Ryan, followed by uh, Commissioner Rich, followed by Eudine. No, you're not. I think part They're of the, not either. the theme that we're hearing this morning is the only barrier that we have to full unemployment is job skills. And I know that you work, uh, you're on the board of uh, Career Source Broward. And uh, anything that we can do to have more persons in, for instance, in Commissioner Holness's district where unemployment is at 22% in some of his neighborhoods, um, there are a number of jobs available, but you have to have the skill set to match the job. So anything that we can continue to do, communicating through schools, um, through community organizations as to the opportunities that CareerSource op offers to enhance job skills, I think that will go a long way to try and to drive unemployment down even lower. One of the interesting stats that's on the results that we provided to y'all is $1.4 million in workforce training grants went through the alliance with our executive on loan from CareerSource Broward. That's the highest we've ever seen uh, for Broward County in the past year. Also next month we're doing a Claim Your Future showcase. We'll have 1,600 high school juniors going to the BB&T Center to meet with 40 of the businesses that we work with and bring to Broward County. So they understand what those careers and what that career path could be. And it may be something less than a four-year degree and still earn a, a good income. Okay. Commissioner Rich. Thank you, Madam Mayor. Um, uh, Bob, I just want to say thank you. Um, uh, you uh, your organization is really investing in places that many, um, many are not. And it's some of the hardest, most intractable problems. And I just want to thank you for all the support that uh, the Alliance has given the Coordinating Council of Broward. Ron Drew comes to all of our meetings. And working on, we're working on affordable housing issues, obviously a huge critical issue for our county. But uh, that doesn't stop you. And I also want to say that uh, in addition with the schools, uh, looking at you were one of the big sponsors of the OIC conference this year which has, has now actually resulted in some real movement in jobs for underserved populations. So uh, thank you, and again, for what you're doing in the schools. Instead of sitting back and you know, saying negative things, you're in there trying to make positive changes wherever you go. So thank you. Thank you, Commissioner Rich. Commissioner Udine? Briefly, um, I just want to add one thing, that as we move forward and as your group moves forward, and we're talking about changes in thinking and different kind of job opportunities that we're bringing down to Broward County. Okay. I want to make sure that 
on the county side, on county staff side, that we're on the same page as far as the different opportunities when something gets recommended to us as a county commission. It's not going to be anymore where you may be putting a new building somewhere, you may be refitting something or repurposing something, which doesn't show the financial ramifications that a county, excuse my language, bean counter can see, but it really does provide more opportunities and more jobs. And I'm thinking in the financial services industry, uh, Miami-Dade County and Palm Beach County seem to be out in front on that, and that's an area where there's an opportunity for Broward to really put the put the foot, our foot on the gas and to accelerate. I mean, I think you're doing a, an exceptional job. I had a great visit with you the other day, and the results speak for themselves. But I want to make sure that we're all on the same page to make sure that we're, we're we have our foot on the gas to make sure that the, we're not missing any opportunities. Thank you, Mr. Udine. We're working with with the Office of Economic and Small Business Development and Ms. Henry's office on a more sophisticated return on investment analysis for exactly those reasons. We want to really look at what the financial impact of some of these projects is, in addition to Avalorum tax impact. Thank you. That's great. Okay, now I have. Thank you, Bob. Thank we you, appreciate Mayor. it. I have a motion and a second on item number 13. Motion approved. Uh, motion for um, Commissioner Lamarca, second by um, Vice Mayor Fur. All in favor, signify by saying aye. Aye. All opposed. Let that record show. It passes unanimously. The next item that was pulled from consent agenda, item number 15, Commissioner Lamarca. Thank you, Mayor. Um, is Mr. Labrador anybody from our government affairs? <laughs> it's like an empty space in the middle, everybody's off to the sides. Uh, Mr. Labrador, I, I am uh, confident and, I, and I've wor had the opportunity and the pleasure to work with our team. And I know we made some changes, uh, increased a bit of the workload as well as the uh, uh, you know, monthly uh, cost for our team and, and eliminated one. Um, and I know they've done a good job to this point. And you know, I'm just going to make this. I'm going to ask you this question. Uh, I'm very comfortable with a lot of the folks that I've worked with. Uh, however, a lot of things have changed in the world, and I just want to make sure we're 100% certain this consolidation is being done to maximize our benefit. The new administration, as well as the new agency heads, it'll be critical for our federal partnerships and approvals. Uh, the Army Corps of Engineers comes to mind. I mean, there's a New Secretary of the Army. There's new. Uh, there's a, a lot of things have changed, and my 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 number one goal is as we move forward to, to advocate for our issues. Are we, are we confident we have the right folks in place in order to bring as much support and resources back to Broward County? Yes. You can do a one-word answer. Is great. Okay. Yes. That's all I have, Mayor. With that, I'm going to move the item. Second. All in favor of item number 15, signify by saying aye. Aye. All opposed, let the record show that item 15 passes unanimously. Next item pulled from consent agenda is item number 16, Commissioner Lamarca. Thank you, Mayor. I, I actually got my uh, information, my questions answered, and I have no issue with item number 16, so I'll move that for approval. Second. All in favor of item number 16, signify by saying aye. 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 All opposed, let the record show. Item number 16 passes unanimously. Item number 17, Commissioner Vice Mayor Furr. Yes, I just I asked that we added a little bit on this. This was giving our county manager the right to um, satisfy, to execute the satisfaction of loans. I, th I thought that we should be notified of that when that happens. And so I add, added that language. And if everybody's okay with that, motion to approve. As amended. So he has a motion to approve as amended. He has a second. Yeah. Commissioner Geller. You're seconding? Okay, Commissioner Geller seconds that motion. All in favor? 
He did. I he amended. amended it. So we're good, county attorney? Okay, all in favor signify by saying aye. 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 All opposed? Let the record show item 17 as amended passes unanimously. Item number 18 was pulled from consent by Vice Mayor Furr. Right, I just asked for a word to be changed on this in particular. It had been saying managing solid waste and it should be regulating solid waste. And so I asked for that word to be changed, motion to approve. I have a question on that. Um, one on item, there was item 18 was pulled by Vice Mayor Furr and Commissioner Lamarca. But I just have an, uh, a question in terms of managing versus regulating. Is there any major difference? No, that's a clarification that the environmental folks will be actually not managing solid waste disposal, but regulating the environmental impacts of their actions. Okay, so we're okay in there. Okay. And then um, I know you have a motion in this. You moved it and you had a second, but um, Commissioner Lamarca wanted to discuss. Um, and, and I'll be brief on this, but. I, I appreciate, we've got some consolidation things we're doing with uh, the division and as someone who spent 28 years in the construction industry and yes, obviously I started when I was 10, uh, but <laughs> I'm a long time customer in the, in the past and can't help but to recall the probably half dozen or seven names, name changes, organizational changes with the, with the division and as much as I'm being a little nostalgic, I just wanna make sure that uh, w with regard to this consolidation, um, we find out what the impact is for uh, costs for, for the consolidation, what, be it with uh, associated documents, cards, forms, signs, those type of things, and uh, just make sure that we have this under control. Just, uh, if I might, uh, yes. Mayor. Uh, when we have a name change, we, um, we allow all of the materials to finish their useful life, but for those things that we can change on a word processor. So we wouldn't go out and take down okay. signs on top of the building or anything like that. Oh, thank well, thankfully, there. we don't have any signs on the building <laughs> there. Uh, no, I, I also want to take a, just a quick second to thank uh, Mr. Halsey, uh, really the whole team there, Dr. Harado. Um, there used to be a thing in the area of environmental construction and petroleum uh, type work, construction work, uh, that uh, Miami-Dade was the most difficult to deal with. Broward was the second, and Palm Beach was uh, what was the uh, easiest to go through, and I think that's changed. Broward County is is on top, and I, I can tell you that the process is, is very good, and that's something that really matters when people build a business here because they want to make sure they can get through the regulatory process, so I thank you. Great. By any name, it's a great division. Okay, so I had a motion Department. and a second on yes. item number 18. All those in favor, signify by saying aye. 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 All opposed? Let the record show item 18 passes unanimously as amended. Okay, item number 19, that was pulled by... Me. Uh, actually, it was pulled by both of you, Vice Mayor Fur and Lamarca. Okay. So uh, would you like to go first? Sure, I'll go first. Okay. Um, this, this has always been a, somewhat of an arbitrary number. This is trying to determine uh, the effective population and how many taxicab licenses we should have. Uh, what I've seen uh, is happening throughout the United States is actually Uber is now working with cities to give uh, over, overall maps of who usage throughout, and I think we should be asking for that information. They are coordinating with cities uh, to give those kind of uh, that information. Um, but that, isn't and, Uber competing with the taxi cabs right now? Yeah, but what uh, what that will give us is an idea of overall usage because we already have the usage by the taxis. This is anybody who's using. Uh, no, I, I got it, but I just don't feel like Uber should be limiting the taxicab industry with their numbers. 
I think what I think when you're trying to figure out what the number is of what is the right the right number of licenses, you need to pull in all the information possible. And that's uh, I and, think and, that and that's, that's fine that's to all I'm pull it in. Right. And, and I think it's fine to pull in Uber's information, but you know, Uber never um, determined how many licenses were needed. They just came in and arbitrarily asked for thousands of licenses and were granted them. Right. So they're they're out there providing a service with all those licenses. So I'm not necessarily sure if I want to use Uber's numbers to to Actually, I mean, I'd like to get Uber's, Lyft's, any any information I mean, we get. You could. I, I've always felt like it was an arbitrary number. What the number of licenses? It is. is. I've never thought there was any it was, there was any basis of, of it whatsoever. So, so, try, I, so trying to find right. uh, what, what kind of, how many people are actually taking trips uh, in the county gives us some kind of number of trips being done. Right, but That's, that wouldn't necessarily limit the number of licenses that you want to give to the taxi industry since those are two competing industries, right? Not at all. Okay, so you just want the information just for your consideration. Yes, and I, th I think we should be asking for that since... Uh, other cities and metropolitan MPOs guess, are asking for that. I, I, I don't have a problem with that. I just yeah. don't want to use that to limit this industry in terms of their development. Well, I'm not either. I don't, I don't, I'm not trying to limit it at all. No, no, I, I know you're not trying. I'm just saying I don't want staff to, to interpret that as us using Correct. that information to limit the number of taxi cab and sedan certificates that we're going to issue this year. It's really just asking for yeah. our... our, for our Okay. County to ask for that information. And that and that's fine. Um, I have well, I have a queue, and I've got um, Lamarca next, followed by Geller. You want to? Thank you, Mayor. Okay. I, as I listen to your discussion, I, I heard something I agree with. I don't want to limit anybody either. And I have I've read the articles from the tech industry of what what is going on with this data data acquisition. There's a name for the program, and I, it escapes me right now. But um, I had the opportunity over the last over the last few days to extensively use whatever I wanted to use transportation-wise from, uh, from Washington International Airport, around Bethesda, around our nation's <coughs> capital, and I used, because I had that choice, because it was my decision, uh, I didn't use Uber leaving the airport, I used Lyft because I had a 10% coupon, and I used that until that 10% till that was gone. I used Uber on a couple of occasions because they were closer. Uh, when I absolutely had to get somewhere from Union Station, I actually used a taxi cab to get to across town. Um, I think what we have is we have options, and this has all been about uh, a debate of who's trying to take whose business, but you know, I'd like to suggest that as we look at this, and we've had this conversation, Commissioner Holness and I have been on the the side of expanding this, but there's a word that comes comes to mind here that, that some of our friends in the consulting and uh, lobbying industry like to use lately when it when it suits them, and it's called the free market. And I, I, I would allow I would say that we allow that and the American entrepreneurial spirit to guide this process as we continue to grow as a community. You know, we've we've allowed as as Mayor has said, the TNC market to expand as much as they were willing to risk their own capital. And we should do the same thing for the taxi industry that, as we've heard, has been begging us. They've come to us, they've been begging us to be part of this process. Um, if it doesn't make sense if on one hand we're using a let's just allow them to have as many TNC licenses as they want, whether it's Uber, Lyft, or Bob's TNC, whatever is going to come up, uh, and then have this archaic lottery system that we're basically keeping people in a position that is punitive. Now, whether that's being punitive to uh, to one care, you know, one uh, service, one <coughs> taxi service, or the entire industry, um, it, quite honestly, it's un-American. We sit here and talk about great free market ideas, um, and we're building barriers of entry. You know, instead of tearing, you know, instead of 
instead of instead of limiting this and going to some lottery system, I mean, which is completely archaic, we should allow this industry to grow as as the economy is going to see it fit. Um, clearly, the, the industry itself has gotten much better over the past 12 months, 15 months. As far I've heard a lot of great comments as far as quality and service, but I think that if we're going to actually have a real uh, transportation system on demand and taxis, Ubers, Lyfts, other, other uh, public transportation be part of that, we should allow it to grow as much as possible. And, and I would tell you that when those, when those folks come here that say, I want to buy a license because we don't have medallions, we don't have anything in Broward County that costs more than $1,000 a year, we have something that has a value uh, if it's limited, and that's exactly what the market's creating. Uh, but I would warn those folks that if we ha opened it up and said we can have a thousand more licenses, then they better be very careful about how they're going to run their business because they've got to set themselves apart and they've got to survive. Um, so from a, from a standpoint of our small businesses locally here, I would say that we trash this archaic lottery system, change the administrative code, and allow the taxi industry to expand as the market's going to see fit. Um, and I would, at, at whatever point we can, I'd love to see us change the administrative code. Next person in queue is Commissioner Geller, followed by Holness. Thank you, Madam Mayor. I'll be very brief. The bottom of page one of the memo refers to section 22 and a half dash four of the code referencing 3.5% of the total number of approved taxi certificates be available to wheelchair accessible category. I brought up this issue before. I do think that we are heading uh, over the cliff perhaps. I expect we will have a substantial issue in the very near future on the issue of the accessible transportation since the TNCs are not required to offer that and I believe that the taxis will find it un affordable to do so at current rates. So I'm just bringing this up again that this is an issue that we will need to deal with. Thank you, Madam Mayor. Thank you, Commissioner mm -hmm. Geller. Next person in queue, Commissioner Holness. And, and, I'll, and I'll pick up on that also. Uh, what we've done is we have said to Uber, Lyft, and the others, we will give you whatever you want. And we're not even requiring you what we require of the taxi industry, which is that you have vehicles that are accessible to those who are handicapped in some way or the other. Uh, I, I think that is really unfair. They ought to pay their fair share. Uh, it costs a lot more for uh, a taxi company to put a vehicle that's handicap accessible on the road uh, than not... Uh, than the other type of vehicle. So I, I think we really need to address that in the future. And also, in terms of what we do with the certificates, how we, how we apportion them, how many we have out there, it will take some discussion uh, and, 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 and a re-look at where we are, how we change this. As it is today, this is the process that we have in place. And uh, I'm going to vote for us to go forward with what we have in front of us until such time as we uh, take a different look at adding more or changing the system. Thank you. So at this time, do I have a motion on item number 19? Okay. All those in favor, signify by saying aye. Aye. All opposed? Let the record show item number 19.
passes yes or yes commissioner yes. okay item 19 passes unanimously okay the next item that was pulled from consent is item number 23 commissioner lamarca thank you mayor um i'm going to start by saying i strongly support uh the overwhelming majority of our dedicated hardworking county employees at all levels and and i looked at this item and, and I, my issue is not with the uh, recalibration, if you will, of the uh, re retroactive recalibration of pay rates. Um, but we, there's two things I pulled this for. Number one, we have a category that meets overall expectations or higher, meets or exceeds. Uh, we should have a situation in place where those who meet, uh, which I would consider uh, goes along with the vast majority of doing the requirements of a job would, would, would fall into whatever scheduled increases if they're available due to the economy. Uh, but that if somebody exceeds uh, what, what is expected of them, that they would get more, that they would be rewarded, pay for performance. It seems, seems to me in today's economy and, and today's world, and it may change after uh, the vast majority of union leaders sat in the White House yesterday, but uh, it seems like that the vast majority of the unions we're, we're dealing with would rather have everyone move at the same speed. And this country wasn't built by people who operated, worked, worked, and had the same work ethic at the, at the same speed. If those who want to do more should get paid better. Um, so I think that's something we need to look at. And I think that if uh, there is true representation in our, in our uh, unions, then they should look for the folks who are doing better to, to support them. Um, it's better for the employees. One of the things that I, that I do have a concern about and uh, Ms. Henry, maybe you can address this, or maybe Mr. Kelleher. But basically, uh, we had a uh, we had a uh, overtime uh, exempt, job exempt issue that was federally changed uh, in the past administration that was then stayed at a federal court, uh, which tells me that it, just like anything else, if something is made law, however it's made law, whether it's bicameral by, by or the, through, through the Congress or through an executive order, if it is overturned or at least stayed in the federal courts, then we shouldn't move forward with something. And, and I, looked, I looked at this, and I don't want to be the, the person at, you know, seeing how many people does that affect, but I did get that information. Um, and as of 123, which was yesterday, uh, about 55 people were affected by this change. And what I'm talking about is this threshold of $47,476 uh, for uh, salaried or exempt employees. And there were 11 that would receive an increase of $501. There are 13 that would receive an increase of $1,428. There are 24 that would receive an increase of almost $2,500. And there are seven that would receive an increase of, of an average of $4,400. Um, so my, my concern is that we're basically changing 500, 1,400, I mean, at some point, you decide what you think is, is, uh, is reasonable, but when you get up to $4,500 uh, to change someone's salary just because a law was, was instituted and then stayed, which to me means it's not a law yet. It's not a law until it's, until it's gone through the courts, if that's the where they go with it, um, or that it's voted on. And right now, we have increases that range from $118 to $5,600. The highest is $5,600. Um, I have no problem, again, with pay for, pay for performance and, and paying our employees who are doing a great job, as the vast majority do. But to do something, it's kind of, I feel like this is kind of one of those answers is going to be, well, just because. And the just because is because it was an executive order that was stayed, and right now it's at zeros. I mean, it's at, it's at neutral. And until we put the car back in gear, um, and, if, and if it does get approved, then albeit move forward, and that's great. 
Um, I just I don't know that I think we're we're doing something we're acting. Uh, rewarding something that's not quite the law yet. And I, I know in a lot of other areas, whether it's healthcare or other regulatory areas that we deal with at the county, um, we wouldn't do this. This would break us if we did this on, on a larger scale. Mayor. Okay. He, would you like for me to comment? Yes, yeah, yes, little, I was waiting. background as to why we're okay. going to move forward and not uh, and not wait until it's it's deemed law. Okay. Um, first, there were, uh, let me start with the first comment so I can sort of, uh, resolve that issue, and it really had to do with whether or not we were prepared to implement the pay for performance um, uh, program that um, Evan raised, and I concurred with uh, in a, from a prospective um, uh, manner. As you, if you, as you know, we start these negotiations right about now um, uh, into a fiscal year, so many of the negotiations had been proceeding and we were getting close to the end um, with maybe one item outstanding to, to bring these issues to fruition. So going forward, we are going to present the all of our unions with a pay for performance program, but it is something that is bargainable and uh, hopefully they, um, you know, they see the benefit as we do. But it, at the end, it's something that we do have to bargain. So. Um, again, we'll be presenting that to our, our labor as part of the round of negotiations going forward. The second issue that you raise has to do um, with um, the discussion uh, that they had a number of elements associated with it, and, it ha and it's, it's around what is necessary um, to um, compensate an employee that is um, uh, fair labor standard uh, eligible versus those that are not. And your your issue, well, I'll just sort of go back to um, um, with, with respect to all of the uh, unions, uh, we were well aware that this was coming forward. And again, we started negotiating um, having um, the affected employees uh, be covered as part of the bargaining. The stay really, it, it happened at the last minute. So we didn't have, we really didn't have a lot of time to reverse what had been done in terms of our bargaining. So again, this is one of those where it was a judgment call on, on our part. Um, there were 55 employees that were affected, and as you've indicated, they range um, the, what the range of the numbers are. But many of those employees in that, at that lower level um, probably deserve um, to have us look at those positions anyway. I would look at them whether or not that legislation um, went forward uh, or not. So um, again, this was a judgment call. Um, 114,000 total, uh, airport, seaport, all uh, across the entire organization. Okay, I and understand it was, it was a judgment call. And I know that we also unanimously supported the, uh, over the past year or so, we did a complete uh, analysis of our, of our positions, what we pay and uh, where they are with, with similar markets and, and governments. And, and I'm all for that. That's, that's looking at the market and saying, all right, well, this is what your, your position is. Average. Here's the range, and then we decide, you know, based on someone's performance, where they fall within. That. And I'm fine with it. With that. I'm fine with that. I'm even fine with if they're not getting paid the right amount that they should be. Uh, but to my my where 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 it's getting 
catching me as saying, well, just because it was the law, well, then then why do we why do we use the forty seven thousand four hundred seventy six dollar mark? Why don't we just say we're going to go back? Because because if this is overturned, how does how does this make if it's fifty five employees? How does that make the other sixty two hundred employees feel at the county? In other words, I I, I get it, but it's it's the because we're doing it because of something that the federal government did, and they don't do much. Trust me, I I would be the first one to admit that when they do something, it's usually not necessarily the right thing, um, and that's both sides. But my my issue is that. Here we are looking at looking at salary based on something that was the that was going to be the law because one person said it was and that it was overturned by the courts and who knows how this would get voted on today it, you know I think people should rightfully be paid what they what a fair a fair wage for what they work but to just tie it to something that was law and now it's being looked at I, I just have a an issue with that I don't have an issue with us going back and retroactively getting these folks wh where they need to be with our with our increases because everyone else the county did and I don't have a problem with us going back and recalibrating what the position should be because I'm the first one to admit that I know it's very hard for us to find people especially at even higher positions sometimes because there's so many other opportunities out in the rest of the country so. is that it Ms. Henry uh, yes, if, if there are other questions, I'm, I'm happy to have a member of the bargaining, um, our, my bargaining team come to the podium to really talk about, you know, the, the issues of going backwards in, in your negotiations. But at this point, so there's I don't have any other. So there doesn't appear to be any other questions yeah. from the commission. Do you still want to do that? You want to have them come up? I don't, I don't need, I just want Yes, oh, Commissioner Udine. Um, so I just, I know we had this conversation before. We spoke about this. And I just want to make sure that that we're keeping the organization on track. And when we talk about 50 employees, the number is really not relevant. We can't go retroactively on this because it throws the entire organization upside down. The only thing I want to make sure is, because I know we've met, when we're changing back and forth, making sure management level employees are in, understand the compliance requirements of the Fair Labor Act that, that the, that's being changed. As long as that's being done, we're, we're squabbling over very small amounts of dollars here and an organization that can be turned upside down because there are some strict rules. I've dealt with them before. Uh, there's a lot of gotchas and catches in there. So I'm supportive of coming up with something prospectively with the bargaining units and then you can apply it to all the employees so that the employees know what's expected of them know how they're going to be evaluated and go from there. But on the same side, management's got to be made aware of the rules and the compliance that they have to be in with the employees. As long as that's being done, I'm supportive. That's being done. That's being done? Okay. Absolutely. Wonderful. Okay. We have a motion and a second on item 23. All in favor signify by saying aye. Aye. All opposed? Let the record show that that passes unanimously. Item number 24 was pulled by Commissioner Lamarca. I am fine with it. Move, move the item, please. Second. All in favor of item 24 signify by saying aye. Aye. All opposed? Let the record show item 24 passes unanimously. Okay, the next item on the agenda. And um, could uh, Vice Mayor Fur be shown in the affirmative on the last two items, please? All righty. On I, the next item... Were you the, were you as well? You were off as well. Okay. Okay. So on on item number um, thirty and thirty twenty twenty three and twenty four, um, Geller and Vice Mayor Fur as in the affirmative. So those would pass unanimously with the commission members that are here. Okay. 
Item number 30 is the next item on our agenda. Um, that's on our public hearing. So as this is a public hearing, I will have to open the item to the public to hear comments from the public first. After the item has been heard by the public, then we'll close it and we'll come back to this dais. At this point in time on item number 30, I have four speakers signed up. The first is going to be Robin Bind, I think. I don't know, I can't read it. Robin, if you're here. I don't know if it's an R or a D, N. It's bird, bird, okay. Robin is a bird, yeah. Okay, Mr. Bird. You'll have three Thank minutes. you very much, Mayor. Robin Bird, I'm the Development Services Director for the City of Pompano Beach. Okay. Uh, this is a long work in progress. Uh, we appreciate your support on this land use plan amendment so uh, we can put uh, a, a growth plan together for this area of the city. Uh, in essence, uh, taking away unnecessary entitlements for re uh, commercial that's not going to be built uh, for 2,400 un residential units. Uh, Thank you. Any questions, uh, me and my staff are available. Wonderful. Thank you so much, Mr. Bird. Okay, and, and, and just as a reminder, this is the motion to adopt the resolution to transmit a proposed amendment to the Broward County Land Use Plan, map PC17-1. It establishes a transit-oriented corridor. The next speaker on our um, cards is Natasha Alfonso. Natasha Alfonso followed by Mayor Lamar Fisher. Good morning, Mayor, members of the board. Um, just here to represent the CRA as the planning consultant working on the zoning regulations. I know we've had some one-on-ones and talked through some of those details. I'm just here for questions along with my staff. Wonderful. Thank you. Thank you. And the next person um, on to speak is Mayor Lamar Fisher. Hey, Mayor. Hey, morning, Glad, Mayor Glad to have you here. Thank you so much. I'm just here to, to uh, ask for your support. Most importantly, if you have any questions, I'm here for that. Thank you. Wonderful. And then the last speaker that was signed up is Mr. John Mac Williams, and he said for questions only. So um, I'll, he'll reserve that if you need, if you have questions. So back to this day is for item number thirty. Um, do I have a motion? Okay, so the public hearing is closed on item number 30. We have a motion from this day. As all in favor, signify by saying aye. Aye. All opposed, let the record show item number 30 passes unanimously. The next item is item number 31. It's a motion to adopt a resolution to transmit a proposed amendment to the Brock County Land Use Plan map, PC 17-2 in the City of Plantation, as amended to the Brock County Comprehensive Plan. This is a public hearing, and as such, I'm going to open it up to the public. I have only one speaker on item number 31, and that's Mr. Bill Laystrom. Madam Mayor, members of the commission, my name is Bill Laystrom. I'm here today on behalf of Lennar, which is the uh, developer of this project. I'm going to be very quick. I know you've got a long agenda. Um, the uh, Planning Council recommended approval of this uh, item. Uh, they have the staff has asked for some additional information from the city of plantation uh, which we will try to provide between now and the time of the adoption hearing which will probably be in about two and a half months uh, it's a small uh, rental project of about 277 units in the uh, plantation midtown district and i'm happy to answer any questions that you may have regarding this I item okay so um, back to this dais for questions. I have Commissioner Rich. Yeah. Anyone else? Yeah. Okay, Commissioner Rich. Thank you. Good morning, Mr. Laystrom. 
Um, when you said uh, you had some information that you had to bring back, I just want to make sure, because according to what I've read here, the one issue has to do with possibly affordable housing and- Correct, uh, that's okay, the so issue. That's the issue, okay, thank you. Okay, is that it? Okay, so the public hearing is now closed. Uh, back to this dais for a motion. Motion to approve. Okay, and I had a second? Okay, all in favor of item number 31, signify by saying aye. Aye. All opposed? Okay, thank you. Let the we record show that time. that passes unanimously. Okay, the next item on the agenda under public hearing is item number 33. It is a motion to approve a lease agreement between Broward County and Port Everglades International Logistics Center, LLC, and authorize the mayor and clerk to execute the same of a logistics center at Broward County's Port Everglades. At this time, I have three uh, audience uh, speakers, so I'm going to open up the public hearing. Yes, 32. 32. I missed 32. Sorry. Okay, so do I have? A, um, I'm going to open it up for item number 32 for audience participation. Is there anyone from the audience that wishes to be heard on item number 32? Seeing none, back to the stage for a motion. Motion to approve. Second. Second. Okay, all those in favor of item 32, signify by saying aye. Aye. All opposed. Let the record show 32 passes unanimously. Public hearing is now open on item number 33. Um, my first public speaker is Eric D. Swanson, followed by Margaret Kempel. Good morning, Mayor, Vice Mayor, and Commissioners. My name is Eric Swanson. I partner with the firm of Treadwell Franklin Infrastructure Capital. I reside uh, in Deerfield Beach. I'm also a partner with the entity PEILC, the group that's proposing the development of the Port Everglades International Logistics Center before you today. Uh, just as a means of reference, my background includes working with the Kadena Group, developing projects in South Florida. I've also had the privilege to work with Flagler and FECI, developing projects across the state. My other partners in this venture are Fred Rogacki of IWS and Alberto and Nelson Fernandez of ANF Group. These principals and their companies are committed and significant members of the business community in Broward County, and Fred specifically has done business at Port Everglades for over 30 years. We approached Director Cernak and Port staff several months ago to offer our thoughts in developing a unique logistics center. We felt the project needed a development team focused on the specific needs of the port. Our team can bring together companies, services, and government entities that can create the most unique, modern, and efficient logistics center in the United States. That will not only help maintain Port Everglades as the premier cargo port in South Florida, but will also improve the throughput of cargo, such that the port will be the envy of all on the east coast of the U.S. To accomplish this task, our development team and port staff have had to consider the realities of private capital requirements and appreciate the needs of both the private side and the public side. We've truly had to become partners in order to succeed with this challenging site and develop the unique property. We've challenged each other and negotiated respectfully but with great intensity to reach an agreement that can succeed. It's my personal opinion that both sides must feel a little, a little bit of pain in order to, assure, to be assured that you've adequately stretched the limits of what you can accomplish. We have done this. 
While some on each side of the ledger may provide Monday morning quarterback commentary, this transaction works for both sides. More importantly, this well-planned facility will help move cargo through Port Everglades and continue to augment the economic benefit of the port to Broward County constituents. This model is proven through the foreign trade zone and will only improve the existing performance at the port. I urge you to approve this agreement. In partnership with port staff, this project will continue to enhance our port as the premier international center of commerce on the east coast of the U.S. We will make you proud. Thank you. I'm available to answer any questions you may have regarding the proposal from our team. Thank you. Okay, Mr. Swanson, if you stay in the front row, that would be perfect. Okay, the next speaker is Mrs. Margaret Kempel, followed by Fred Rogacki. I hope I'm not messing your name up. Okay, I, I can't read it. Here. Right, Rogacki. Yes. It's, per, it's right? Okay. Yes. All right. Excellent. All right. Good morning, Mayor, Vice Mayor. It's really nice to have on the commission Michael Udine and, and Ann Rich and Steve Geller. I am Margaret Kempel from the Port Everglades Association, uh, the uh, business group at Port Everglades, quite obviously. I want you to know of our very uh, great and, and energetic and enthusiastic support for this project, and I am going to be very brief by asking also for your support. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Mr. Rogacki. Followed by Anitra Lancy. Good morning, Commissioners. My name is Frederick Aki. I'm the President and CEO of International Warehouse Services. As Mr. Swanson said, uh, stated earlier, I've been in the port community, the port family, for over 35 years with my company. This logistics center is very important. This is something that's unique. That is something that I believe uh, will benefit the port. This is something that is not being done in any other ports in the East Coast that I'm aware of. This is a, uh, a complex facility. This is something where we want to combine in a foreign trade zone environment a government inspection for CBP, uh, agriculture inspection with USDA. We want to utilize this facility for our cruise ship distribution. And we also want to use this facility to enhance our perishable cargo uh, business. That is a very competitive business. This is something, these are the types of business, this is the scope of business that my company and the team that I've put together have been doing for over 30 years. We're experienced in this, and I feel very confident that my team, we can put this together and make Port Everglades proud. Thank you. Thank you. Ms. Lancy. Good morning, Commissioners. Um, I wanted to um, just speak briefly about the history of the RLI, RFP process, the procurement process, that this particular um, effort to relocate the foreign trade zone has gone through. Um, the team that you have here, as they, as they say, they propose directly to you. We think they're the most qualified team. Um, the negotiations were intense, as Eric described. In um, June of 2014, you put an RFQ on the street for this project to seek a developer who would do a public-private partnership with you. That RFQ, uh, six months later, you were shortlisting 
the respondents to the RFQ. In this particular procurement, uh, in this particular lease negotiation that you're seeing here, in six months you have a lease before you to consider. You had two respondents to that RFQ, and of those two respondents, and bear with me, I'm just going to read from here, the RFP then was advertised three months later in March of 2015. The selection and evaluation committee met a few months later, still only the two companies. In May, the uh, Prologis, who's a very well-respected industrial property developer, was the uh, company that was selected to proceed to negotiations, the other company having dropped out. And you were not able to reach a conclusion with uh, Prologis because the rent that they proposed was dramatically less than the rent that you have now. An impasse was declared in June of 2015, and you, uh, you authorized staff to our... Um, Readvertise because the negotiations had failed. So that's a year. January of 2016, you put out a request for information. There were nine responses to the request for information, and I have copies of them here. Of those responses, three were from our group, Treadwell Frankwell, uh, Franklin, um, a, a broker that we're working with, and IWS. Of the other six, three of them insisted that the lease would be at least 50 years, and two of them wanted 50 to 99 years, which is a fairly common request in a ground lease that has to support a $27 million construction project. <clears throat> one company responded operator only, one company wanted you to pay for it as a joint venture, and one company, um, again, uh, wanted to be the logistics operator. So of the nine responses, I don't think that there was one that you could have put a lot of weight on. Um, so I think we've presented you with a good proposal, uh, with a great team, uh, the right team. The services that will be provided are critical to the container cargo and um, uh, cruise industries, and I hope that you'll vote yes. Thank you very much. And I'm available for questions. Thank you. The last speaker from the audience is Mr. George Platt. Good morning, uh, George Platt from LSN uh, Partners uh, here on behalf of the Port Everglades International Logistics Center. I, I've had the great joy of working with uh, Fred Rogaki for many years, but also with the other members of this team. And obviously, it's a very experienced team that we put together. Just by way of background, and I don't want to repeat what's already been said, which I support, is that um, in 2007, that's a while back, before most of you folks were up here, and um, the master plan said, uh, we're going to do this uh, Port Everglades uh, Foreign Trade Zone relocation as a P3, a public-private partnership. And that public-private partnership stayed in the master plan from 2007 through 2011 as it was uh, revised in 2014. Uh, the idea was that the port was not going to put in its budget the money to design, permit, finance, build, and operate the foreign trade zone. They were going to outsource it through a P3 project where 100% of the risk would be taken by the P3 developer who would uh, finance it, permit it, design it, take all the risk of staffing it, bringing in the governmental agencies, putting the tenants in it. And that was the idea. But then this uh, RFP sort of fell by the wayside when Prologis came in and they offered... 
I know you've seen Evan's uh, memo, which he gave you as, as a last-minute uh, bomb that got dropped yesterday, even though he's had this in his office for months, okay? But Prologe has offered seven cents per square foot, okay? So uh, if people start looking at the rent here, uh, that was one of the leading industrial developers in the world. They could not reach an agreement with the port. We began at a panic a little bit. This project is a linchpin event for the master plan of Port Everglades. The Turning Notch project cannot take place without relocating tenants who are going to be relocated, that is, yards for containers, where the current foreign trade zone is. So the current foreign trade zone, very old buildings, need to be relocated. The idea is to get a 100% state-of-the-art uh, <coughs> modern foreign trade zone uh, built on less land than we have now to have it open and operating at the time when the turning notch is completed. To do that and maintain that aggressive, that aggressive um, uh, schedule, uh, we came forth and said we can do this faster, probably cheaper and probably better than if you went through some other RFP again and it got delayed. So from our perspective, uh, we've negotiated hard. There were more than a dozen fact-finding and negotiating committee uh, meetings uh, the auditor never showed up at any of them, even though he was invited to some of them. They were published, noticed. Uh, the auditor did not show up. So from our perspective, uh, we think the staff memo, which responds to the auditor's issues, addresses all of those issues. We're here to answer questions. We urge you to support this important linchpin project for Port Everglades' future. Thank you very much. Thank you. Okay, that concludes my audience participa participation um, forms right now. And I know I have some people out there that can answer questions. So I'm going to close the um, public hearing right now for the um, public because there's no one else that wants to be heard. Bring it back to the dais for discussion. Um, do we have anybody that wants to talk on this? Commissioner Udine? I don't know the county auditor. You wanted to speak as well. I'll, have a, I'll line you up in a queue. You want for the auditor to go first? Okay, county auditor. Okay, thank you, ma'am. Uh, several things. First of all, points of clarification. Uh, there's a discussion by one of the speakers about the nine respondents previously. Uh, we'll never know what the nine respondents to that RF, uh, RFI would have resulted in because we never did a competitive negotiation with them. So to speculate on the terms and conditions that may have emanated from those parties is inappropriate. So that's the first issue. Second issue, there was a question as to my involvement in my office's involvement in negotiations. We neither have the staff nor the time to be engaged in every negotiation. Uh, we first saw this item in November, uh, and we began discussing this matter with management at that time. Uh, we typically raise issues. We meet with management. We met and continued to debate issues and meet with management up through last week. Uh, and management was given a draft of this issue substantively the same uh, at least a week ago or so. Uh, so it's not like it's a bombshell at the last minute to management. Uh, and we have been in prolonged discussions with them trying to resolve some of our concerns. Uh, but I'll go back to the, the history of this item as well. <clears throat> it is true that the board, uh, that the staff went out some time ago in 2014 to solicit use of this of this property uh, to replace their existing facility, and that indeed there were two respondents, one of which was non-responsive, uh, deemed non-responsible. So there was really only one vendor. It resulted in an impasse. Uh, 
following that, staff actually realized that perhaps the way the proposal was written was not conducive to competition. They went out and uh, did an RFI, I believe it's called. In January of 2016, they had these respondents come forward and make suggestions as to how they would use this facility. Using that and hiring a consultant, they came up with a different deal. So the fact there was an impasse before is not all that significant when you're talking about a different deal. They put that deal together in an RFQ. And in June of 2016, they presented the RFQ, but they said, wait, we have a unsolicited proposal from one of our existing tenants, folks in partnership with our existing tenants, uh, that they would like to negotiate with first. The board directed them to go ahead and proceed for 60 days, negotiate a deal. If you can't reach a deal, go forward with the RF RFQ. There was no feedback from the staff to the board to tell them that the negotiations they made that they came up with reflected uh, a departure from several uh, board policies and that the deal, uh, when you looked at it uh, and the issues we raised later on, had some unusual, what we believe to be unusual and perhaps not as favorable terms as may have been desired. Uh, so the pendency between uh, the 60 days ending from June, which arguably be August, until November, there was nothing said about this deal. So I'm, this issue of timeliness and, you know, it, that falls on the process as well. It would seem prudent that if you negotiated a deal that was below what the board policy normally mandated, that you come back to the board after the 60 days and say, hey, we have a deal, but it's not quite the deal that we normally do. And, um, and they should have had that discussion at that time. So we can debate time and all that. At the end of the day, my staff looked at the deal raised several issues, specifically the proposal, as in my memo today, that the rent on the proposed agreement is significantly below the market and inconsistent with the rent rate established by our board. It's 50% of the rate that our board policy normally requires for this type of transaction. It all, and that's not with, uh, that doesn't reflect a $3 million contribution by the county to the construction uh, of the facility. When you look at it in its totality from a cash flow standpoint, that means how much cash the county would get out of this, uh, this arrangement, the county has no cash flow. It's basically a negative cash flow until the eighth year, something to be concerned about. Uh, the other thing that's troubling is while we contribute 10% of the proposed construction value of the property, at the end of the initial lease term of 30 years, if we choose not to renew, we have to buy the facility back at the then fair market value without any credit for the $3 million that we contributed to the facility. Well, I find that a little unusual. We brought these matters and others to staff uh, over the last several months, and some with my staff directly with port staff, some with me and, and Mr. Cernak and others, uh, and we could not come to terms with how this deal was negotiated and why this deal as proposed is in the best interest of the county. The, so we recommend that the, that the proposal be rejected and we go out and do the public solicitation that we should have done before. Essentially, this deal does not meet our normal standards. It was never advertised. This deal was, don't be misled, this deal was, this is a different deal than the original deal. It was never advertised. And it's, it's outside our process. Normally we would advertise this. Now, the board 
it is true, the board at the time told staff, go out and do this, come to the terms of the agreement if you can't go out and do the deal. But quite frankly, this one's far out from our, our side, and we're simply saying this, this deserves a second look by the board to evaluate whether this is in the best interest to go forward or send this back out. Um, and we could, I think staff has responded. They have a lot of details. Uh, I don't, we've heard some of that before. Uh, I'm not sure that uh, we want to get into the nitty gritty of arguing over, over individual elements of it, but we're prepared to do that if necessary. Um, once again, it's, this is the second look at this transaction, uh, objectively looking at the deal uh, and understanding the terms, conditions, and how this deal arrived. Uh, with that, I, um, I'm available to answer any questions you may have. Great. I have Ms. Henry. Yes, um, there were uh, two individuals, um, actually three individuals, uh, at various um, points in uh, reviewing the the mechanics of this deal. Uh, Mr. Um, Cernak uh, obviously um, has been involved in it. Uh, Mr. Wiltshire, who's not here today. Um, sat at the negotiation table, and um, because the auditor ex expressed some concerns, I asked our CFO, Mr. Tablock, um, along with our chief negotiator, uh, Namata, um, I apologize for Namata's last name, Yupal, um, to also look at this deal. So let me um, begin with having Mr. Cernak um, come to the podium, um, and then um, we can start with um, who's appropriate, the appropriate staff just sort of respond to questions that you may have. Okay. Thank you. Okay. Okay. Mr. Cernak, go ahead. Yes. Are there a specific question or just want an overview? If you want, if you just start with um, basically why you have brought this um, deal to the board for its consideration. Well, we did start out with a public process in the original deal back in, um, as has been acknowledged, in uh, 2014, which led to an impasse. That did lead the staff to go back and seek input from potential participants to see what would, what would it take, you know, what would they be looking for. Um, there were some respondents, but uh, you know, we took the information that was gained from that and reformulated and tweaked, tweaked the, what we were going to go back out with on a public solicitation to include the operational component. That's the primarily, primary difference between the two. There are other slight nuances there. Um, in, it was during that process that we received an unsolicited proposal from the existing tenant who had put together a team to redevelop the um, logistics center. We then reviewed that and felt prudent to provide that to the county commission for uh, guidance as to how to proceed. That is when we were, we, you know, it's portrayed that we presented it to the commission. Yeah, we did. We felt an obligation to do so. So we did do that and put it out there, and we were instructed and given a 60-day window to negotiate over a summer break, which we did do. And we did come to an agreement that personally I was comfortable presenting to the commission. It met my threshold at that point on where, we're, on where we needed to go. Now, I've heard some of the public comments about this being a, a linchpin. It is a linchpin to Southport Turning Notch. There's a very complicated redevelopment program in place for Southport. And um, 
when I had the staff run the numbers, I looked at the net present value of this agreement. As I said, it met my minimum threshold. It's been characterized to me in the conversations with the auditor's department that you should go back out, you should scrap and start from scratch, which certainly will put an 18-month delay. You know, we could be optimistic and say six months, a year. I've been saying two years, but I'll split the difference and say 18 months. And what does that do? That delays a lot of other projects that are critical to the further growth and expansion of Port Everglades. Now, if that's the will of the commission here today, we, we will have to accept that, that there are implications that I want everybody to understand with me standing here today. There are container cranes that have to be ordered. There's the Southport Turning Notch Project and all other associated projects that are critical to our expansion. When I hear that going back out may result in a better deal, it may, but that also means it may not. It also means that if I go out and I renegotiate another deal and I come back in 18 months with it, whether it's richer or poorer than this deal, the same criticism will apply at that point in time, too. It will say, is a dollar more, you know, on an agreement a better deal? Yes, by definition. Um, we did put together a response to Mr. Lukic's concerns. I can run through them here if you would like, if that's necessary, um, or I would answer specific questions. I think it's worth putting it on the record myself. Um, well, let me just go go back and go through what the auditor had stated. And so why don't you start by just, if you could just answer each of those um, items that he said was an issue, and then maybe that would help to alleviate some of the other concerns that the commission has um, going forward. So... Okay. I can give some background, too. I have a synopsis of the Yeah, like in terms of the um, advertisement, in terms of it being outside the normal deal, in terms of the county um, building um, as an asset and, and having the county be responsible for that asset after sure. if the deal didn't go through. I mean, I think that that's the gist of what needs okay. to be. Well, if we go back to the first solicitation, um, it resulted in an impasse since the proposal didn't meet our expectations for what needed to be in place. The net, pre for example, the net present value to the county was approximately one and a half million dollars on a 30-year term on that on that deal. We did we did retool the project in anticipation of a second solicitation, which I've already stated. We then received the unsolicited proposal. Um, review that we did conclude that they, it met a majority of our requirements and then the board did on that basis the board did approve direct negotiations we did negotiate the terms of that agreement in the best interest of the county and we did follow the administrative code the, con the negotiations concluded with a logistics center that would support our business lines it resulted in equitable rates of returns for both parties. The county's net present value with a 30-year deal is $6.8 million. Internal rate of return of 16.5%. And the PEILC's NPV is uh, 
13.2 million with an internal rate of return of 11%. You know, proceeding with a competitive process is risky. Like I've already mentioned, there's a delay on the Southport turning notch. There's an impact to our marine terminals and our operating agreements, which all have some form of a termination clause if projects do not move forward, and as well as future business. Um, there would be the loss of the value-added services that are offered currently by IWS, and there's really no guarantee of reaching a better deal, particularly given the recommendation from the auditor. Now, he did send out his memo, and we disagree with his recommendation to reject the proposed lease agreement due to the following. The administrative code allows for the county to negotiate the terms of a lease in order to account for specific circumstances of the lease. The board has previously approved land rental rates below the range identified in the administrative code for the intermodal container transfer facility approved in 2012 and for three marine container terminals approved in 2014 and 2015. The determination of market rate was made by the county auditor using a single appraisal and advertised listings for industrial land leases in Broward County. Several of the properties used by the county auditor as comparables to establish current market rents do not fit in the profile of the logistics center site. Including a milestone payment to the PEILC allowed staff to negotiate an initial term of 30 years while requiring the PEILC to assume all risks on a $29 million facility and obtain a reasonable rate of return. We disagree with the county order's recommendation to proceed with a competitive solicitation because analysis of the project on a 30-year term using rent consistent with the county auditor's recommendation shows non-competitive rent from subtenants would be required to gain a reasonable internal rate of return or a positive net present value that makes the investment unfeasible. Pursuing a competitive process at this point is a high-risk proposition with no guarantee that it will result in a better deal, financially or operationally. The probable delay of one year or more will affect the Southport turning notch, expansion development, and create ripple effects. A competitive solicitation for this project completed in 2014 and 2015 resulted in an impasse being declared. While some of the parameters of the solicitation were modified based on that, port staff has no reason to believe that a competitive solicitation will result in responses that are significantly better than what was negotiated with the PEILC. The county did complete a request for information on January 2016 to solicit input on the parameters that might be included in revised RFQ RFP. Responses to the RFI do not necessarily mean that the respondents would be interested or have the capacity to develop the logistics center. The basis for the respo our responses, section 32.1 of the Broward County Administrative Code provides that, quote, the county may lease any real property within the port jurisdictional area owned by it or any interest therein upon whatever terms and conditions the county deems proper whenever the county determines that such lease is in its best interest, end quote. While paragraph 32.6.A.1, subparagraph D, 
of the administrative code establishes market rent as 8 to 15 percent of appraised value, Section 32.6.A provides flexibility for the board to account for other factors. Quote, nothing in the rental rate schedule shall preclude the Board of County Commissioners from authorizing said department to pursue negotiations of rentals at either higher or lower rates under circumstances which appear to render such negotiations advisable and desirable due to such things as location, appearance, or adaptability or adaptability of the property involved for the contemplated use, as well as the term of the lease and lessee capital contributions. Mr. Cernak, is it possible that you could summarize this instead of reading it? I'm down to, okay, well, I thought you wanted it in the record. That's why I was doing it. No, well, we have it in the record as a a document, but just as a kind of a. Well, Basically, what I, you know, if, that, if it's already in the record, I'll stop reading. And I thought that you wanted it in the record. Yeah, that no, I, I, I didn't that. want you to just read it verbatim. Okay. What I was trying to do is kind of hit on the major points and summarize the points for us, and, and you can just refer to well, it get, if you need to. The bottom line is this. When we look at the original, original Prologis deal, and we looked at the financial value to the county that was proposed to the port, it resulted in a substandard deal that there was no question that it was going to be rejected. Personally, independent of my staff, I set a parameter that this this deal had to hit in order for me to comfortably stand up here as the CEO and recommend to the commission that I support its passage. And that's what happened with this transaction. It just hit the mark, okay? It had hit the mark. So I'm comfortable here. And when I look at the implications of what it means to the rest of the Port Everglades expansion projects that are on tap, and I understand the implications and potential problems that it would cause, I absolutely have no qualms about standing here and recommending its passage. Okay. Thank you. Hold on one second. Ms. Henry? Yes, I just wanted to make sure, uh, again, I did ask Mr. Tay Black to take a look at this. I don't know if you had anything else you'd like to add to this discussion. Mr. Tabor, I guess I see it, though. Good morning, Commissioners. Good morning. I think I'd like to echo some of the speaker's point that I, on more than one occasion, uh, illustrated to the auditor staff. I I don't believe that they are giving adequate weight to the operator's 30 years' experience. Uh, You know, when you start to evaluate complex transactions such as this, defining true risk uh, can be an evasive type of search if you're not looking for the right answers. But I just think it's foolhardy to ignore that type of experience and the relationships that are already developed with that operator and the benefits that that inures to the port as far as ancillary revenues. In addition, I want to caution that potentially we could be penny wise and dollar foolish. What I mean by that is I've heard the director and his staff point out that this can delay the turning notch construction. All of us are well aware that the Federal Reserve is projecting interest rate uh, increases over an extended period of time. Uh, What will that do to the cost of our capital of, I think, estimates of uh, $500 million of additional debt the county has to issue? So we're talking about nickels and dimes here uh, with relationship to the lease. But what impact of a delay in construction on the turning notch could that have on our cost of capital? So when we look at these things, I strongly stress and 
That's why I regularly engage the county auditor's office in earnest discussions on many issues. There has to be a collaborative process and we can't ignore these facts. They have to be addressed and they have to be addressed in totality. In this instance, I believe that uh, the assessment from the auditor's office has fallen short on that. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, Ms. Henry, do you have anything That's it. further? Thank you. Okay, I'm going back to this day as I have a queue. It's Commissioner Udine, followed by Commissioner Gello, followed by Commissioner Ryan, followed by Commissioner Holness. Yes? Yes. The auditor did. He spoke. Did you ask to speak again? No, but I could, I could address some of the issues that were just addressed. But, um, I, can just, we hear from, let's hear from the commission first, okay? okay? All right. So Commissioner Udine, followed by Commissioner Geller, followed by Ryan, then Holness. Thank you, Madam Mayor. And Lamarca. I am not an expert yet on the port, although I expect to be within the f next few months of my service on the county commission, but I've spent a lot of time studying this, and uh, I like looking at deals. The more yes. complex, the better. Here are some of my thoughts in no particular order, and I don't think, when I, when I look at this, I don't think that both of these sides need to be wrong between the county auditor and between the port people. I actually think the county auditor um, makes valid points on behalf of the taxpayer, although I'm going to support this for the port because I think in the long run, the, the, the financial ramifications are better with this happening rather than not happening. Here's why. So when I look at this, over the last 10 years, the port has had a major increase in revenue and an extremely challenging time for the cargo industry. I mean, that's well documented. If you think the cargo industry is going to get easier in the next few years as far as imports, I highly doubt it. It's only going to get harder. So we need to get this started sooner rather than later so that we're one of the first players in this and that we can get aboard quicker. I know that the county auditor had an issue with could the existing facility be retrofitted in some way, keep the tenants there and do something there and, and, and use that method as one challenge to this, to this process. I don't agree with that because I think that it makes much more sense to consolidate the container area as we're doing this, move this new facility across the street, remove the liability of an outdated facility that's on the port property and, and, and work in that respect. As to what the market rents may be, I just think it's too speculative to put that assumption by, you know, our real estate department kicking the tires of one or two warehouses throughout Broward County. I think the inputs that you put into the formula can drastically affect the outputs of what we see. The $3 million milestone payment, um, so when I take a $3 million payment and we talk about what it's going to be worth in 30 years, whether we're <coughs> going to get credit for it or not, if I net present value that at 6%, you're talking about $520,000. The return may even be higher than 6%, which makes that 500 and something thousand dollars so much lower that it's really not of relevance when I think about this project because you can't tell me that the county's going to go build something on our own there and we're not going to see 500 and something thousand dollars in change orders throughout the way. This shifts the entire risk to the private industry and we get the entire return on that. Um, I think it will help us with our master plan. 
Um, I think it's a good deal. Do I think it's the best deal that the port could have probably gotten? In the abstract, no. If it was a blank canvas that the port was looking at, they might have been able to squeeze out a few dollars here or there differently. But we're not looking at a blank canvas. We're looking at stuff that, that's already there, things that have to be moved, thing that, things that have to be retrofitted. So all in all, I think it's a good deal, and I will, I will vote to support it. The next person in queue is Commissioner Geller, followed by Ryan. Thank you, Madam Mayor. Procedural question, which is I have some specific questions for the auditor. I also have some comments. Should I make those comments now, or are we just in questions? No, now? you can do whatever you'd like to do okay. at this point. Thank you. Thank uh -huh. you. Um, first question for the auditor, uh, actually three or two in a comment. Um, the comps that you did, um, were they all in Port Everglades, or were they just general commercial uh, property in the county? We obtained a list of comps on the current, advertised on the current market of industrial property in the, in the county. We could not get comps within the port. All right, because it would seem to me that, and please respond, that the heavy security in and out of the port, the delay, would affect the price of the comps, I know, I would much prefer to be someplace where I, and would be willing to pay more if I did not have to go through security gates each time. That, that, that seems to be, it appears on the surface to make sense, but when you realize that Thank this you. is a, when you realize that this is a port activity and the business is a port activity, it is much better to be on the port than outside the port. Because if you're, remember a lot of this is reshipment. So if you're off the port, you're going to come out of the port and go back in the port. So you're going to go through that process anyway. Uh, it would seem to me that if your business is with port customers, it is most appropriate and probably beneficial to be port side. I'm just not sure the comps are comps there. Second question is one of the issues that we've heard a great deal about from Mr. Platt, uh, from the port director, and I think from um, some of the other speakers, is that this could delay that there's a series of delays that would occur, uh, that the Southport expansion uh, could be hindered and a lot of the other things because we have to move the free trade zone, et cetera. Do you have any reason to either agree or disagree with those statements? I am concerned about that representation because I, happen, I do happen to be engaged, have been engaged in the negotiations for the actual work of the turning notch. And that uh, process has taken an inordinate amount of time in negotiating with a single vendor again and uh, has taken well in the neighborhood of, I guess it started last spring, and that agreement has not yet even reached the board yet. So there's a delay, a bigger delay, I believe, if you're going to talk delays, in that and the overall project. So I, what we asked for and did not receive was tell us if this is critical to your timeline, show us your time, show us critical path, and explain it. And if they could have done that and could have addressed the other issues, we would probably not be sitting here today to talk about it. But we didn't see a critical path. And knowing what we know about this overall project, we're saying this is a, th this may result in the delay, but it doesn't appear to reach the point where it would delay the overall project. So, Mr. Cernak, without getting up, do you believe, just nod yes or no, do you agree that this would affect your critical path? Okay, uh, last question to the auditor and then a couple brief comments. 
Something you said that I did agree with, while I generally am agreeing with the port, uh, is the purchase at the end of 30 years for fair market value of the building. That was a factor I was not aware of. Um, by the end of 30 years, for accounting purposes, and that's why I'm asking you as the auditor, wouldn't the building generally have been depreciated, even though it may still have an actual real market value, but for accounting purposes, would it have been mostly depreciated by then? Well, two things. First of all, depreciation is an accounting concept and doesn't affect this deal. We're going to pay fair market value anyway. The well, second that, thing is, the point the second thing is property, property appreciates in value. Okay. And if, if this was a true partnership and we contributed 10%, uh, we'd be in an equity stake of the fair market value. So after 30 years, we would say it's not some depreciated or calculated. I'll be simply say, hey, you know something? We basically paid for 10% of the building. Uh, when the building sold or we buy the building from you, don't you think we should get 10% of the value as credit if we are indeed 10% contributing? That's our only point. Uh, so it would be interesting to say that our 10% depreciates, but the other party's 10%, 90% uh, does not. Okay. Um, well, I was going to say, Madam Mayor, but since you're not here, a couple of brief comments. Based on everything that I've heard and I have met with uh, the port director and things of that nature, I kind of agree with Mr. Cermak here, and I definitely agree with what Commissioner Udine said, which is that the auditor appears to be in the role of doing his best to protect the county taxpayer, which I agree is a noble and worthwhile goal, while the port director is in the role of doing what's in the best for the port, uh, which is also a important county function. Between the two, it sounds to me like our risk, while, while the auditor is raising valid concerns, it sounds to me that our risk at the port is greater of other damages because I have been persuaded that it is part of the critical path here. Um, that we should be remembering, and I've said this many times that during the brief period I'm here, as most of our other people have, the port is one of the greatest, if not the greatest, economic engines in Broward County as a job generator. I have to give some deference to the port director if he says that this will impact their critical path. Because of that, even though I agree with the concerns raised by the auditor and recognize he's acting properly in his role, in general, I am supportive. Mr. Cermak, if it's not a completely done deal, and maybe it is, I would hope that there may be some way of still negotiating the issue that, the one issue that I am, that the audit raised, that I am concerned about, that if the county, and I was unaware we had to buy the building back if the lease is not renewed, if we do have to buy it back, I think we should be receiving a 10% credit if we're paying 10% of the cost of construction, if that's possible to still deal with. But other than that, I agree with Commissioner Udine, and I, I am ready to vote in support of this project. Thank you. Commissioner Wright. Uh, Mr. Cernak, could you come to the podium for a moment? Uh, there were some questions uh, raised earlier about the current leasehold interest uh, of the logistics center and uh, that will that particular site will be utilized for the expansion of the turning notch the Southport turning notch is that correct the, that site from a operational standpoint is needed to replace container yard that will be removed 
by uh, the excavation and expansion of the berthing area for the Southport turning notch. <clears throat> it makes all the sense in the world to keep it on the east side of McIntosh Road. We do not have need to have, introduce a conflict where they're draying containers across McIntosh Road, which is busy enough already, to move cargo that's come off the ships and put it at that one that increases the operational cost of the individual <coughs> container yard for the operators. And two, it's a safety concern to us at the port. So if you look at and the assertion that perhaps some investment could be made to refurbish the existing buildings at that point, that increases costs too, uh, quite frankly, and at the risk of operational safety by forcing drayage of containers across McIntosh. Under, under this proposed agreement, the, the tenant would be responsible for uh, construction and then also for the, uh, the maintenance of the building. Um, and the current leasehold, um, is the tenant responsible for the maintenance of that building? No, the port is. We, we're a lease, they're a leasee, and we maintain the building. All right. And um, this property, and perhaps the county attorney can, can uh, sh shed some light on this, uh, it's not subject to ad valorem taxes, but an intangible tax based upon the value of the improvements. Is that correct? That appears to be correct, but I, I have not thoroughly researched this. All right, it, and it, it does appear in this lease, Mr. Cernak, it does appear in the lease that the tenant is responsible for the taxes attributed to the improvements on the property during the uh, 30 or 50 year term. Yeah, I think there's a payment in lieu of taxes component or something along that line. All right. Um, the discussion from Commissioner Geller is, is one that um, you and I touched on. Um, I'm not concerned about the um, the leasehold payment because although there may not be direct benefits to the port from this this warehouse storage facility, but the indirect benefit because of how it enhances the ability of the port to continue to be the leading port in the state of Florida for the number of containers coming in and yes. out annually. I mean, that, this is critical to the growth. Um, but tell me, where are we on, on Southport? I mean, we, we spent a long time to, to grow, you know, the mangroves that would allow us to eliminate the mangroves that are at the existing yeah. site to, to expand the, the Southport turning notch. Um, are the mangroves still at issue on holding up moving no. forward? Or are we, what, what is the issue there? Because I understand there was some, some concern about negotiations with um, our... Um, uh, with, was it, with, with Moss that's handling the, uh, uh, the construction management. How are we coming along on that? There, is a, there will be an item brought back to the board that's contemplated to be at the next meeting. Okay. Um, I would say that there's been talk about the $3 million uh, milestone payment mm -hmm. on, on this particular project. That's a contribution. The ground is not construction ready. You know, that's more of a site prep uh, payment once they've constructed the building as a contribution, you know, into readying the site to have it ready to be built, yeah. you know, there, have vertical construction. Right. There may be it. some unforeseen circumstances, and if there are, it does, it looks like in this agreement, it does allow for the tenant to, to uh, uh, terminate the agreement if the cost for, I guess, site development or construction exceed their... Uh, their estimates. 
there is a, a window of time so they can do their due diligence. You so know, there, there I mean, is some protections I, for the for the tenant. But it's I mean, it's it's it's, it's defined in the agreement. Uh, you uh, you speak about the risk. I realize anytime you make an investment, there's risk, but there's there's some protections there. Um, the concern I have, which I had shared with you earlier, is um, these improvements uh, will be um, depreciated over a 30-year period. And I don't know whether it's 30 or 40 years would would fully depreciate the value of those improvements, but it, it speaks to. Uh, at the end of the 30-year term, if if the landlord, if the county does not uh, grant an extension of the lease to a 50-year term, then the county must pay the current market value of all improvements um, without any any credit for depreciation and uh, without any credit for uh, the $3 million contribution towards um, the uh, construction of the improvements. Uh, so uh, to the members, I, I think that um, it may be in order for us to, uh, and I'd like to advance a, a motion to amend this agreement to be consistent with um, at the end of the 30-year term, if um, if the tenant and, and landlord do not extend to a 30 to a 50-year term, that the the county have uh, a 10% a credit against the fair market value when purchasing the improvements. I can't speak for the negotiated, you know, these, the term was negotiated and presented as is here. I can't speak for what, how they would react to that without having that conversation with them. Do I hear a second on that motion? Second. Uh, and with that, I mean, I, 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 I see, you know, an agreement that generally we, we go out and, um, uh, we competitively bid, and I know that a couple of years earlier you had competitively bid, and you explained uh, rationally why you didn't at this point going forward. Uh, but that's one item that I think uh, is is in the public's interest to protect that. And, and as you speak, and as Commissioner Udine said, I mean, the cost of the three million that the county puts up now, the the value 30 years from now is far less. But of course. The same is true of the $27 million that the, the tenant puts up. So I think a 10% a, a credit against the, uh, uh, the market value if we buy back the improvements is, is fair. So I make that motion. It's been seconded. Okay. So you have to hold on because I still have a cue, okay? All right. So we had a motion in a second, but we're still discussing, okay? Um, Commissioner Holness followed by Commissioner Lamarca, then Commissioner Rich. After the motion, it's, it's difficult to actually go forward because now we, we're, we're in renegotiation, it, it appears. Uh, and uh, I don't want to hamper any opportunities we might have in, 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 in getting the benefit of a discount if the uh, parties are, are willing to do so. I, I would just say that in terms of comparisons, determining value for lease and land, Appraisals are not science. It's, it's, it's skill sets that utilize using good judgment to determine where you get your comps from. And being in the real estate business for a long time, you, you've got to sometimes be creative and innovative in, in, in adjusting. Uh, in this instance, the comps, when you move away from the port, uh, becomes difficult to adjust uh, because the circumstances and the situations are different. Uh, the, the port is unique 
in what uh, it is utilized for. Uh, off-site properties have advantages and disadvantages based on, on location, based on uh, what the use is going to be. Uh, and inside the port, there are limited uses that you will be able to have and, and that we will grant. Uh, <clears throat> I, I appreciate the auditor's efforts to be that balance and, and, and to help educate and inform and to question uh, what we do and how we do it. Uh, it, it is a great benefit be, uh, to us as elected and to the community as a whole. With, with that in mind, though, I, I had some other comments I was going to make that I think that uh, I will forego uh, because, again, we are, we are here negotiating, and uh, my statements might not be conducive to that, so I'll, I'll leave uh, those, statement, those uh, statements out. Thank you. Uh, Commissioner Lamarca? Thank you, Mayor. Um, let me ask uh, Mr. Cernak if I could, Ms. Henry. Uh, Mr. Cernak. The, the number, just because I want to get two, two things clarified, the number that, the, uh, that Mr. Lukic mentioned of seven, uh, actually, I'm, I'm sorry, Mr. Platt mentioned seven cents per square foot by the Prologis proposal, is that an accurate number? No. Um, our analysis on the, the, a 30-year term. The first, no, the, the pro lodge is the first. The pro the pro right was one and a, started at one and a half cents per square foot, and it had a was I think it was seven and a half percent adjustment every five years for the term. Okay, um, what is the current number of PEILCs average? Years one to two is 15 cents a square foot. Years three to four is 30 cents a square foot. Year five is 60. Year six is 80. And years seven through 30, there's an annual 3.25% increase. Okay. Uh, with regard to the first uh, invitation, is the scope of the building and the capabilities generally the same as, um, that, as that first? No. Um, Prologis had a uh, warehouse in round numbers of around 240,000 square feet, and it was warehouse space only. Um, the um, current proposal has a warehouse space of a little bit more than 250,000 square feet, plus, I, going from memory, I believe around 43 or 44,000 square feet of office space. Office space, okay. So, but, but it's inclusive of it. It's over and above. Yes, Everything it, there's more space being constructed under the current proposal than the original okay. prologistic okay. proposal, yes. And there's um, also um, a capability for refrigerated warehouse space being included into the current proposal. Uh, I believe there was pushback mm -hmm. from prologists okay. on that aspect. They were just looking to construct a warehouse okay. and be done with it. So I, uh, well, I, I guess my, my concern, and I appreciate what the auditor has, has brought forward because that, that's, you know, he's the watchdog for how we spend the people's money, but what I'm looking at is, it, is less of a likelihood that, that the industry would have uh, had multiple or numerous responses for more than just a warehouse if they only had, if there was only one on, on it was just a warehouse. And, and I say that because now we're talking about refrigeration, office space, other things. Um, you know, similar to the day that this board voted, voted unanimously to move forward with the final building, uh, of our long-awaited convention center hotel. I know that's technically off your, your jurisdiction, but 
Um, this is a very important moment for this for this county and for Port Everglades, and as as, as not to repeat what other folks have said, um, I am extremely happy that the three new members of this board are all on uh, the the side of, cheer, of cheerleading and, and supporting and doing everything they can for this port. And, and clearly, uh, Commissioner Geller having had some experience in Tallahassee with with ports. I mean, we we understand what this means and. The you know what 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 is interesting is the the partnership with our port with a longtime stakeholder and I think that that information has been uh, already put out there about Mr. Regaki's experience here, but also with a Broward builder is an example of what we can do when we don't do things the old way, and I think this is going to dictate our success. The, the time issue was mentioned, uh, Mr. Cernak. I know you've had a lot of. Um, a lot of balls in the air with regard to port expansion, federal issues, uh, Southport turning notch, the Southport rail facility, you know, rail the rail and cranes and all that, as well as this. Um, I was just there at the port last a week ago, last Friday, uh, with a, with a group of uh, about 50 middle schoolers, and and when we were able to drive by the, the the mangroves and see, they aren't just turning towards success. They're the proud little plants in the water there and the work that's been done and, and it, it's it's impressive you know at the end of the day m my issue is the time value of money and in construction you know we can we can plan and we can propose lots of different things but if we weren't doing this in the downturn and getting this done while the, while the cost of money was cheap there was more than enough there were more than enough people that would have probably been interested in this um, one of the things that was mentioned here the idea that we would undertake this, and I apologize to Ms. Henry ahead of time, but that we would undertake managing this building project scares the hell out of me. The courthouse alone is a great example of why we need to get out of that business and let the professionals handle it. The construction partner of this particular team, ANF, has a record of success in, on challenging projects right here in Broward County. If you don't know this firm, number one, I've never done any formal business with them. Uh, I just know who they are. But if you don't know them, but you've been to Joe DiMaggio Children's Center or any of the Memorial Healthcare facilities, then you know who they are by the quality of their product. Um, I'm looking for them to deliver this product in the time that they that they estimated, and for you to get that back to business. Our job up here, at least as I see it, is to keep you in business and you to keep doing what you're doing, and that's to move these projects forward. Um, a million containers uh, coming through coming through our port or TEUs anyway. Uh, is a big number, and whether it's the crane, whether it's the crane system, the rail system, or or this uh, this uh, facility here to be able to do additional work. The last thing I want to do is have anybody, and it's similar to the marine industry. It's not just that something didn't happen, but the, the possibility that it might happen that is a negative and might cause us to lose business. Um, whether it's MSC or Crowley or somebody else. They may have they may have a long-term commitment here, but there's no reason why they wouldn't move their business somewhere else if, if all of the facilities and resources they expect to have here aren't here or aren't at least in planning and in implementation. So I'm going to support the, the issue and, and with absolute respect to our auditor for for doing his job and his and the, the team under our uh, auditor's office. But, you know, at the end of the day, we we are charged by the fact that we go out and get people's trust to make tough decisions, and I, I don't think this is a tough decision. But the fact that we we have to make sure we understand we understand what he's saying, and that we're we're still deciding we want to move forward with this, I think it puts it puts the onus on us, and we appreciate your support. Thank you. Okay, the next person in queue is Commissioner Rich. Okay, thank you, Madam Mayor. Um, uh, well, <laughs> I've. A lot of thoughts going through my mind. Um, I guess for me, um, 
you know, if the previous commission had not dealt with this for a period of time and had not told the board, uh, uh, the staff told, I mean, excuse me, the board told the staff to go ahead and negotiate, I might be in a different position and even have thought about uh, putting out uh, for another RFP. But I think that when you listen to the history that's been documented for us today, um, that I feel uh, certainly that there are no guarantees. Uh, if we did go out for another RFP, um, we would uh, not necessarily have a better deal. We might have a worse deal. We just don't know that. For me, I think the important thing has been the constant conversation uh, with the port people and and um, and people who all of us here recognize that this is, you know, one of the top economic engines in our county, and to take a chance, I think, of um, allowing putting something else out, waiting for 18 months or however long it may take, uh, putting a hold on everything else that uh, should be moving, um, as was mentioned here before, I think would be a big mistake. Um, I understand certainly why um, uh, you know our auditor came forward with this, and I and I respect that. Um, but I think that there's a long history here. It's not so black and white. And uh, for me, it's black and white in the sense that I think that Mr. Cernak, when it was said that you know he's protecting the port, well, he may be protecting the port, but he's also protecting the biggest economic engine we have in this county. So I think we have to um, look at the expertise that uh, he and his staff are bringing to us uh, about these issues. Um, and I just really don't think um, that, uh, you know, that we should be waiting. The other thing is, I mean, I, I think we all know that the competition is tremendous around the country and certainly within our own state for um, container business, uh, for, you know, not just crews, obviously, container, everything to do with ports um, from Jacksonville, you know, on down to here. Um, so uh, I, I am going to, um, and actually wholeheartedly support, uh, you know, this uh, motion to approve. Um, and I will say one last thing: uh, I am very uncomfortable with us uh, negotiating this deal from this dais. These people have been in negotiations for months, and for us to turn around and just up here, just like that, add or subtract anything to the, uh, the arrangements, I. I, I I just think is not uh, it's not fair. It's not appropriate for the people that have been out there negotiating their best to get the best deal possible for us. <clears throat> Vice Mayor Fur. Thank you. I'm, I'm going to support this. Um, it was six months ago where we we asked them to go ahead and start negotiating on this, and you don't do that unless you ex you know you're planning on agreeing with the final you know assuming they come they come to fruition those arguments and. I think uh, we should follow that. I do appreciate, Evan, I appreciate your work on this because it does highlight uh, some things that we, that we needed to know. We need to know in relationship what the values are. And, I, and, I, and I, I, actually, I wish you had been in on at the beginning of this. And, and it does make me uh, think that before we start doing our convention center that, uh, and doing those negotiations, it would be wise to have the auditor on the front end of these so that because of those things to make sure that all those things that you've brought up are are brought up in in those negotiations so when that time coming comes around i'm going to suggest that we have the auditor on the front end um, that said i think this brings a lot of capacity to the port 
And I think that's a, there's a huge value in that. And I think that's what I've been looking at from the, from the moment I saw what this was bringing and what it was adding to the port. That brings a lot of value. And I think it's going to be worthwhile in the end. So I'm going to make a motion to approve. Okay. All right. So we've been, uh, we've been discussing this now for about 45 minutes. Are you, so we're ready to move ready. forward, right? Okay. So uh, based on the consensus from the day so far, in terms of everybody saying that they support, looks like we have consensus for the item. We have a motion and we have a second. All those in favor? Wait, 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 there was a... With an Mayor, amendment. Just, just, Mayor, there was an initial motion to approve the lease as modified by the 10% reduction. Okay, Can but I, I don't know... a point of information on yes. that amended motion? Yes. I understand why it's out there. I really don't conceptually have a problem with it, but I would point out one thing. We're talking about the fair market value of a building 30 years from now. The building that's there now is 30 years old that we're knocking down because it has a negative fair market value. We would have to put money in to make it functional. So I, I do think this is the type of thing where we may be tripping over nickels on our way to dollars. I mean, you're not talking about, that's only in there to convince them to extend a lease a little bit longer. So I don't, I'm not gonna support the amendment because I don't think it makes a lot of sense. Okay, so let's vote on the sense. amendment first. Okay. If the amendment um, fails, then we vote on the regular, the motion as it is, okay? Yes, Commissioner Holmes? Uh, Commissioner uh, Ryan's suggestion that we ask to further negotiate the 10%, though I'm uncomfortable doing it from here, we've already put it out there. Uh, if the uh, developers are amicable to it, there's nothing hurting us. Uh, we, we will probably have a delay of a week or two and hopefully we will know probably, if not now, by later today. But for the interest of the public, since my colleague has put this forward, I'm supportive of, of at least hearing from uh, the developers their response. They might not want it, they might, who knows? Okay, I'm gonna have Mr. Platt come up and answer that question. Just to put this in perspective, George Platt, um, Originally, when Prologis made the proposal, they wanted a 50-year lease. Everybody said, all the private sector folks said, you really need a 50-year lease here. The county said, well, we don't do 50-year leases. So why don't we do a 30-year lease with an option? I represented Prologis at that time. We said, great, as long as the option's ours, then we can live with that. The county said, no, we want the option to be a mutual option, meaning we both have to agree to another 20 years. So what you have is a 30-year lease. When you go to finance a 30-year lease, you don't finance it based on 30 years. It's something less than that, like around 18 years, because you also have tenants that you have to deal with whose time's coming to an end, and if you want to renew their leases, you've got a problem there too. So it presented a big problem. So when we came back this time, we said, wow, that's a big problem. We know what your position is. We really would like to have the option ourselves. They said, but no, we think it's got to be mutual. We said, well, then why don't you do what we've done in many other leases at the county, like we've done them at the airport, where you have a right to terminate for convenience. That's not in here. But at the airport, you have a right to terminate for convenience. And if you do, then you buy out at the then fair market value of, of what? The improvements, not the land. The land's excluded. The $3 million relates to the land. 
It doesn't relate to the improvements. You never give up ownership of the land. So the $3 million you have is the assurance that the land is going to be sound, to be built upon, uh, and that's our risk that we're going to take and move forward. So I, I agree with, with Commissioner Udine that the, fair, the, the present day value would be de minimis in any event, but from our perspective, this 10% doesn't relate to the value of the improvements. It relates to the land. And so I just want you to understand how, how this term of the buyout and the options and everything else sort of evolved. And this was a compromise. This was the give and take that takes place in hard negotiations where we came to this agreement on the $3 million. So that's the background on it. Thank you. With, 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 with that response and, 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 and a better understanding, I, I think that... Uh, that 10 percent, and, and Mr. Cernak had alluded to it earlier, that it really goes towards improving the, the land to make the land ready uh, for construction, then we're really not contributing 10 percent or, or 3 million to the improvement, but to the land. Uh, it's, it's kind of different. So to, to ask for 10 percent doesn't seem to be uh, reasonable. Okay. So that's going to conclude the commission remarks on this. We do have a motion and a second on the floor for the item as amended. So we're going to take up the amendment first, right? Correct. And then um, you can, this is just the amendment, okay? Right. So I have a motion and a second on the amendment. All those in favor of the amendment signify by saying aye and raise your hand. Aye. All opposed? Nay. Okay. So the amendment fails. Move the original motion. Second. Okay. No, it wasn't. So all those in favor of the original motion signify by saying aye and raise your hand. Aye. 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 All opposed? Okay. Minute secretary, let the motion, the, the record show that that passes unanimously. Okay. So that disposes of item number 33. Okay. Our next item that we're going to take up, and, and for those of you out there who are watching, because we have a different format, we are not stopping at 1230 any longer. We are going to continue to through to the uh, conclusion of our agenda. Sometimes we start, stop at 1230, but not today. No, we're not stopping at 1230 any longer. We are going to co continue oh, yeah. we're going till six. It's not mandatory that we stop. You still anymore. need a motion to continue yeah. past 12. Yeah, motion to extend the meeting. Yes. Second, so, third. I, I moved that we extend yeah. the meeting. Okay. All right. So all those in favor of extending the meeting signify by saying aye. Aye. Can we extend the meeting indefinitely? Yes. Okay. Wonderful. Okay. So now um, we're going to take up item number 35, and that is a motion to approve the final ranking of qualified firms for the request for proposals number R1422515P1, Public Safety Radio APCO Project 25, 700 megahertz communication system. All right, so let me tell you what we're dealing with right now. I have a total of 11 speakers that have signed up, but I think we can kind of dispose of this item rather quickly if we come to the dais first and then go out. And since it's not a public hearing item, is that okay? State law actually requires that you um, allow commentary before you reach a final decision on the matter. But so we're not going to make our final decision. If you have a motion to defer, you will not reach a final decision today, and you don't have to receive public comment. 
Okay. If you don't defer, you at some point before final decision, you have to receive comment. So we're going to go ahead and we're going to have the commission go ahead and speak. And then I'll go to the public and let the public speak. And then we'll, we'll decide whether or not we want to defer. Okay? All right. So with that, I'm going to go ahead and go to item 35. Um, I do know that um, Commissioner Bogan, who is not here, had asked for us to possibly defer the item. And I know that we're not um, going to do that right at this minute. That will take a vote from this commission. Um, County Auditor, did you want to speak first? No, I, uh, well, I guess I can. I was uh, requested by uh, one or more commissioners to take a look at the process relative to this item. I have done so. Uh, they have apparently followed our general process based on our review. Uh, there is some concerns about uh, the votes. There were seven votes and one seems to be an apparent outlier. Um, but that's not unusual. We've actually had this debate for several years about outlying votes and we've uh, I think there was some discussion with the board previously about perhaps having a minimum of five uh, five people on each meeting and asking and exploring at least the possibility of throwing out the the high and the low uh, so this is not an unusual thing to occur uh, although it does create some uh, some concerns we looked at it and and um, there was also an issue that it's it appeared that there was a separation between those who voted for and those who voted uh, for, for Harris versus Motorola and that it was divided along operational lines. We looked at that and concluded that if you remove the pricing, which is an objective measure added by the uh, purchasing division, if you remove that, the vote would be six to one in favor of Motorola. So we don't see any uh, anomalies with respect to that. Uh, one vote being out of out of line with the rest is is you know it's beauties in the eyes of the beholder. Uh, what what was in someone's mind at the time when they ranked it is really up to them. We rely on people to exercise their best judgment, and absent something contrary, we must accept their judgment uh, unless we find something contrary that would cause us to call that judgment into question. So at this point, I can simply say the process was the process. Uh, I would not recommend doing anything about the process relative to a transaction. If you're concerned about the process, we should have a uh, discussion solely about the process and how we might improve that. But I would not make procedural and policy changes just with this transaction considered. Okay, thank you. Commissioner Geller? Uh, thank you, Madam Mayor. Uh, I am deeply concerned about this evaluation and I think that the remarks that the auditor was uh, making about the issues are the ones that I'd raised to him yesterday. Um, I am inclined to end up at either this meeting or at the future meeting if we postpone it. I'm inclined to vote to accept this even though I do have very deep concerns simply because I'm not sure I like any of the alternatives, but let me first express what my uh, concerns are. As a general rule, whenever I see a vote that's a four to three vote or a three to two vote, I take a little bit closer look at those simply because they're closer. Once I take a closer look, the next thing I do is see if there's any one vote that is a substantial outlier because I think we all know that sometimes one person for whatever reason can 
tank and evaluation on the entire were one dramatically different vote. In this case, there was one vote that was dramatically different, um, statistically significantly different than the others. On the other hand, if you eliminate that vote or if you eliminate the high and the low, it wouldn't have made any alteration in the final project. But that's those are the reasons that I started looking more closely at this, because it was a four to three vote, and then there was one vote that was a substantial outlier. And then the I did receive, and this the only person that I've spoken with on this, I until late last night didn't know who the lobbyists even were on any of the, on any of this. The only person that I spoke with was uh, someone representing the firefighters who pointed out that on this, on the four to three vote, the police, the fire, and the medical examiner all voted one way, while the four county staff people voted the other way. That also gave me concern. So between those three, I did take a closer look. I actually read the bid protest. I'm a lawyer, I actually can read legal things. Um, and I, that also made me concerned. When I look at the score sheet, um, again, there is one score sheet that it, when you're looking at the uh, criteria 1A and 1B, and Josh, what is the list of 1A and 1B criteria? Okay. Um, it's basically, it's the personnel, you know, how qualified, here it is. Okay, how qualified is your personnel? Um, and the rel qualifications relative experience of the project manager and key staff is 1A and 1B adequacy of the personnel, where, again, most of these were 5, 5, 5, 5, 4, 5. There is one that was a 1, 5 and a 2, 5. Again, I'm concerned when there isn't one very substantial outlying vote. Another thing that I picked up from the bid protest, and I'd ask if somebody can clarify this to feel free to, the, there's a 40-point uh, criteria, project approach, to A, to B, to C, to D. And on that, the uh, a technical evaluation committee is the one that met, and this uh, the project approach did not actually go in front of the evaluation committee. It went in front of a technical committee. The technical committee issued a report to the evaluation committee. And since the people on the evaluation committee didn't actually see the evaluation, they were relying on the report, there really shouldn't be a huge variation among the evaluation committee members if they're relying on something that they didn't see, they're just relying on the technical committee. But if you look at the scoring, there is a huge variation between the members of the evaluation committee based on only on a report that they were given. And the last question, and I haven't been able to get my head around this yet, and I don't know the answer to this, and I'll ask future speakers to address this. Um, the um, there was a question consistent between Harris, which was the second place, and Motorola, which was the first place, where Harris continued to allege that they couldn't 
get access to Motorola, which had the CAD, and they questioned how the interface would work uh, because Motorola was the un has the current contract for the CAD. Um, and they said that the county said that they would accept, in lieu of that, since they couldn't get it, that they would accept affidavits from uh, people from Harris Corporation that they were compatible. I have not been able to figure out if when the county said we will accept that as an alternative if that resulted in a reduction in the score for Harris, which based upon what I read that the county saying we'll accept this as an alternative, there should not have been a reduction. So I do have serious concerns and in the future whenever I see a four to three vote and one outlier, I always intend to continue to look carefully. So these are my problems and I think they're real issues. However, <clears throat> the reason I'm kind of inclined to vote in favor of the staff recommendation is after my discussion with the auditor, it sounds like the only alternatives we have are to either return this to the selection committee, which has already voted, and I don't think they're going to change their vote just because we send it back to them. The county commission can choose to act and vote itself, and I don't want to do that because I don't think based this looks very technical and it looks like it would require an incredible amount of time. Uh, a third object is to accept this. Um, and there was a fourth option. Uh, I'm sorry? Uh, the fourth op option was to reject everything, throw it out and start over, and I'm told we simply don't have that amount of time. So I'm very unhappy with this for the reasons I've set forth, but and I'm going to be open-minded on this, but my current inclination is to vote yes on the proposal simply because I don't like any of the alternatives uh, if we reject it. So... These are my concerns, and I'm eagerly waiting to hear from both uh, Motorola and Harris as to the concerns I've raised. Thank you. Commissioner Yudin. <clears throat> Thank you, Madam Mayor. Um, I spent a lot of time going over this as well, and I share some of the process concerns, but I'm not going to go into those here because I think we'll have an opportunity with this deferral thing. But there are a couple things here that trouble me that I, I'm going to need a better understanding regardless of the process. The current CAD system is owned by the county, is my understanding. We own that system, and there's an API code that would need to be um, accessed for anybody to get into that system. Who owns that? Whose proprietary information is that? Is that ours? I don't, I, I don't know the answer to that, but that seems to me to be the linchpin to this whole thing. And when I read in the in the backup that it's available just at a different timing, then I just need to understand who owns that code. Ms. Henry? I'm sorry. If you want me to answer that, well, and I'll I, see if I can have that. I, I was okay, so, getting your so, list. So let me get, so I have a couple other things. So that's the okay. first thing, is the underlying API code um, what, the, what the relationship is with that and the county. I mean, I'm assuming that it's ours, I, I don't, but I don't know. The second thing um, that I was concerned with was did the evaluation committee, because even what, what uh, 
Commissioner Geller mentioned, Senator Geller mentioned, is that the evaluation committee never looked at the actual nuts and bolts of this system. That came from the technical committee with a report up, but I'm not even sure that the technical committee looked at the nuts and bolts of this. A lot of it was answered with letters saying, yes, we can do this on a number of items. So did the, was the idea of open source looked at by these committees as far as Motorola is a closed source, Harris is an open source, and was that factored into the evaluation at some point? So I, I'd like to understand that one a little better as well. Um, the next thing that just popped out at me that I, I, I need some better understanding, there was an, something in there regarding the compatibility and availability and use of the system when there was a power failure. And that was very concerning to me, uh, how that was evaluated by the technical committee, because we know that that's a, a likely event many mm -hmm. times in the future. And I think that it's important that the committee, when they make their recommendation, I'd like to know if they were provided the appropriate information on what happens if there is a power failure to the entire system, because that was specifically brought up in there. And then uh, the last question that I had on the, on the whole uh, proposal was what, I'm not, and I don't understand because I, this is not my expertise, I just want to make sure that the evaluation and technical committee looked at this and that there's appropriate responses, but there was the idea of the underlying technology that this program is written over was used on the 20-year-old technology. Is this technology that we're spending and buy, buying the latest and greatest technology available? Because those, those and, and that's my last major overriding concern, those four major concerns, the idea of the open source, who owns the code, the technology, and the power. The rest of it will fall into place with the process as far as I'm concerned, but at the end of the day, our first responders and our public safety people are gonna have to rely on those four issues. Those are the issues. Whether a point was given here or there to me is not as important as the answer to my satisfaction of those positions. Those are my comments, and if it's not today that we get those answers, when it comes back, if there's a motion to defer, I'd like some background on that. Thank you. So basically, that was the whole point. I wanted to get everything out um, in the open before we actually took up a motion for deferral. And um, you, you want to speak now, Commissioner Lamarca? Sure. No problem. Just a couple quick questions just to, to make sure we're all on the same page where we are, and basically after being in this process for quite a while uh, and looking at this, we're, I mean, from, from a standpoint of the equipment, we're basically talking about a Ford pickup or a Chevy pickup. Both will do the job fine. They're both, companies have extensive equipment in this, in this market. Um, so that's why we leave it to the evaluation committee. So I have a couple questions. Ms. Henry is uh, I, I can't, I'm not gonna tell you. Just like my vote, I'm not gonna tell you. Um, where, where is, uh, is Mr. Jefferson here? Mr. Jefferson is here, and okay. um, we also have um, the project manager, Jose. I'm sorry. It's, it's not going to be a technical question, really. It's just that okay. I want some information out there for the public. Um, what is the total 
this included and everything we've done so far, and I'll wait till Mr. Jefferson Mr. Jefferson, if you can come to the podium. Um, I guess from a standpoint of what, what this means to the community, Mr. Jefferson, good morning. Um, how you doing, Commissioner? Good, good. We got more time on Sundays now, I guess. <laughs> um, <laughs> that's that's kind of sad. <laughs> yeah, no, that's all right. Go Atlanta. The uh, the amount of investment that the county has and will, including this, all the way up to this point in communications, can you just give me a round number of what that is? Every, everything in, in to include consolidated dispatch, the dispatch centers, and everything that we're doing for our first responders, we're around $113 million to include this particular project. Okay. I appreciate that. Um, for, okay, so from a standpoint of... The evaluation committee, it was pointed out, uh, Commissioner Geller mentioned that there was a fire, was a, so my understanding is a fire chief rep and a police chief rep and a medical examiner, but I don't see that there was anybody who actually would be using these, and, and I love my fire and police chiefs, but uh, they're not the ones who are using these radios on a regular basis or this system on a regular basis. Is there any reason, Ms. Henry, why we wouldn't have a representative of the firefighters and police officers Organizations? We asked, we didn't designate the specific individual to represent the organization. We asked them to do that. So the individuals that chose to serve was designated by the organization for the very purpose that we're discussing, that they would have a better understanding of what the, the radio needs and other related needs of their respective officers and or um, okay. but but that's so what you just told me is that you asked the specific organization so if you ask the police chiefs you know the council of police chiefs or firefighter fire chiefs who the, who they wanted to serve they're going to pick somebody at that level I, did we make that invitation available to first responders um, no, we didn't because at that point we assumed that they would pick somebody that would know what their what their members need, and at least one of the individuals I am I know has served um, in different capacities other than a than a than a chief. Okay, I understand. Um, so one other one other technical question on the equipment now, regardless of uh, the the vendor, is is it? Possible, uh, there's a rumor out there. Is it possible that any of this equipment would be reconditioned or is it all brand new equipment? I, I'm asking the question because I heard it. That's what I do. We're looking to buy brand new equipment, so I don't I, know where I, the I would information hope so for 50 million bucks. <laughs> okay. Um, I, I'm, I am not, uh, and we'll have that conversation when we get to it, but I'm not inclined to delay this anymore. I, I am inclined to, you know, make a decision on this and, you know, I, I want to make sure everybody's included in the conversation, but you know, this as the new members have said, this has been a long, 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 long time coming. So at this time, like I said before, I'm not sure if we have consensus for a deferral. So I'm going to go to the audience now, since we've got the co commission comments. I'll go to the audience. There are 11 speakers. Um, yes, just real quick. Um, I was just advised that the members of the technical committee were police and fire off fire front line. Okay. Okay. So I have eleven speakers. Because there's eleven of you, you do the math, that's twenty-two minutes. 
and, um, and then you can eat lunch. So I'm going to, to get started with that, right? And see, see where we go um, from there. Um, so you're gonna go to two minutes. My first speaker is Marshall Wright, followed by Ron Book. Well, good morning, and thank you very much. My name is Marshall Wright, and I'm Vice President for Motorola here in the Southeast, and I appreciate the opportunity this morning. Um, first of all, I want to commend your staff for doing an outstanding job. We have the opportunity to participate in RFPs all across the Southeast, and this is a very all-inclusive, very comprehensive RFP process that really had all the requirements that you need to make a decision of this type. It had needs assessment. It had a thorough RFP. It had site walks. It had a huge technical discussion that lasted several days. I think just so that you know, I think there were 160 items that Motorola and our competitor both had to vent and show a lot of demonstration on. So that was a, that was a, that was the, the type of process that you want to have when you're dealing with communications for first responders. I commend the excellent job that your consultant did. You had a very thorough consultant, Mission Critical Partners. They took us all the way through the uh, steps and helped us throughout the entire process as they did with your staff. And then finally we had an, an, an opportunity to give technical demonstrations, and also a live working system, and then we had the opportunity to participate in oral presentations. So over the period of all these months, it was a very thorough vetted process through your staff. You had a technical team that did a lot of technical Q&A, very knowledgeable people about public safety communications for fire and for first responders. And then you also had an evaluation team that had a lot more, what I would say is business savvy, that asked a lot of the business questions, asked a lot of the financial questions, ask a lot of the terms and conditions type of questions for this contract going forward. So I would commend you for it, and I guess what our request is today is to say your staff did a lot of hard, hard work, and what we're asking for on behalf of Motorola is to take your staff recommendation and to give us the opportunity to award to Motorola and give us a chance to start and enter into the contract negotiations with your procurement and your legal people. That being said, thank you very much. Thank you. Next speaker is Ron Book. Madam Mayor, members of the Commission, on behalf of Motorola, you just heard Mr. Wright talk about the process. You heard from Senator Geller, Michelle Marka, the auditor raised questions early, which really laid part of the foundation for today. You know, when I went to law school, first thing they teach you is when you have the law, argue the law. When you got the facts, argue the facts. The 52 pages that were submitted after the evaluation committee made its decision was simply throwing as much junk up against the wall as they could in an attempt to confuse the process. Your technical evaluators were first responders. They were the first responders, Commissioner Lamarca, that evaluated, and they ranked Motorola first. Your evaluation committee looked at this closely. What they did was after your purchasing director ruled that there was no arbitrary or capricious decisions made by your evaluation committee, they decided not to file a formal protest because they don't have the facts and they don't have the law. But they've come here to ask you to make a political decision. We would simply ask you to validate the process as it moved forward as it's 
long process brought you what you have in front of you today and allow the process to go to negotiation. You don't end up with a contract with Motorola, you go to the second bidder. But to come here and throw this into a political decision when all of the time and the effort and the evaluations reached the conclusion that it was, we urge you to go ahead and validate it and move it forward. Thank you. The next speaker in queue is Mike Moskowitz, followed by William Salem, Jr. Good morning, Mayor, members of the commission, Michael Moskowitz representing Harris Corporation. Because I'm from Brooklyn, I'm going to squeeze a 10-minute speech into two minutes. First of all, let me clarify certain things so everyone understands. The technical review committee did not rank anybody. They did not rank Hat Motorola over Harris or vice versa. They were given a score sheet with a check mark, compliant or not compliant. They were not allowed to voice their opinion. They simply were allowed to fill out the form. That is a critical part because one of the things we say is that the evaluation committee did not have a demonstration of the equipment. We wanted to do that, but that did not occur. We consider that a fatal flaw in the process. Second is, it was mentioned that we're now throwing things up in an effort to throw this into a political process. Let me explain why that is incorrect. If you look at your backup, and there's much more to this, during the process, before a vote was taken, before anyone could claim foul, we sent in over 50 questions about the process claiming that there were mistakes along the way that needed to be corrected, the process needed to be changed. We also, on behalf of our law firm, before the evaluation committee met, sent in several letters explaining the problems with the process and everything that's in our protest. This is before the vote, before anyone won, before anyone lost. So we were complaining about this all along, the failure to have demonstrations. Another key point in our process that Mr. Salem will go through in more, more specifically, Motorola did not disclose material litigation. In our protest, we disclosed that there were three lawsuits going on in this country which allege the failure of the Motorola equipment, which allege led to several deaths. We brought this up. The, the, your purchasing department asked Motorola to respond to that. Motorola responded to that, and your purchasing department adopted word for word with quotation marks Motorola's response. No independent evaluation examination was done by your staff, by your general counsel, by someone who should have looked at those pleadings and those lawsuits and determined were they material, were there a failures of the equipment, because as Mr. Salem will tell you, there were. One quick thing, Mr. Geller, you have in the past, this commission does send things back to the evaluation committee. We think that should occur. Thank you very much. Thank you. Uh, no, no, I'll, I'll, can we take them after they, they comment? So we can get to the end of the public comment. Mr. Mr. Moskowitz, can you stay in the front row, please? Yes, thanks. Thanks. Good afternoon. My name is Bill Salem. I appreciate all of you who took the time to read my protest letter. And unlike what Mr. Book stated, there are facts set forth there that were not disclosed to your evaluation committee, notwithstanding the precise requirements of the solicitation. In particular, with respect to the litigation, they disclosed and checked a box that there is no material litigation. As set forth in my protest, there are at least three pending cases that existed during the time of this procurement, two of which still exist today in Texas, one state, one federal, that involves specific questions as to, quote, the type of work involved in this procurement, radio systems, and alleged failures in those <coughs> systems that resulted in the tragic loss of life of first responders. Number two, 
allegations of negligence, errors, or omissions in the design of the system. And number three, the vendor's default failure to perform or improper performance in connection with the contract. These are the public radio systems in Houston and in Tallahassee. They failed to disclose that. The selection committee had no idea they existed. And then, when they explained it in a letter to staff on September 26, which was parroted in Ms. Billingsley's response, he writes, with respect to the Texas BB case, involves a personal injury lawsuit filed by family of a Houston firefighter who died in a fire three years ago when the building collapsed. Although the firefighters were using a Motorola system, the building collapsed within five minutes of the firefighters entering the building. They said that was not material. Nobody ever looked at the complaints. There are three independent fire investigations that talk about these defects. We say send it back to the evaluation committee for full and complete disclosure of all material facts and let them score based on those facts. Thank you very much. All right, thank you. The next speaker is Danielle Marcella, followed by Dennis Martinez. Commissioners, just catalog your questions, and at the end we'll come right back to them. Okay. Good afternoon. My name is Danielle Marcella. I am the regional sales manager for Harris's Public Safety Communication Systems Group in the Southern Region. As part of the evaluation, the evaluation committee heard some false information about our organization, and I'd like to take a moment to clear some of that up for you today. We are an $8 billion corporation with 23,000 employees, 6,000 of them residing in Florida, with roughly 100 residing in Broward County. That number is growing. Harris invests millions every year in innovative technologies that improve the lives of our users, whether they are police officers, firefighters, or members of our armed forces. We have built over 500 public safety communication systems in the United States. Of those, six are statewide systems. One of the largest is right here in Florida with the existing SLURS network. SLURS, originally built in 2003, has withstood all 10 hurricanes that have hit Florida without a single system failure while passing over 3 billion calls successfully since the system initially cut over. Harris has a large presence in South Florida. Coral Gables, Aventura, Collier County, West Palm Beach, Miami-Dade, and just last week, the city of Miami have selected Harris as their public safety communications provider. We have decades of experience building communication systems in your unique environment. This takes me to price. In today's day and age, when the mission of our first responders places them in immediate danger every day, the tools they use are of the utmost importance. Our price was $4 million lower than our competitor. The price, the point differential was 2%. So for a 2% point difference in score, you are paying $4 million more by continuing down this path with our competitor. And we ask that you send this back to the evaluation committee for reconsideration. Thank you. Thank you. Dennis Martinez, followed by Greg Farmer. Madam Mayor and Commission members, thank you for your time this, uh, this afternoon, actually. Uh, in lieu of pre-prepared -pre comments, I'd like to actually respond to the questions that the Commission members have asked with respect to the computer-aided dispatch system. The computer dispatch system is indeed provided by Motorola today. Uh, as part of the evaluation process, which included 160 
uh, requirements, as you heard earlier today, there were a number, about approximately 13, related to demonstration of interfacing to the legacy system. Can you please say who you're representing? I'm sorry. Uh, so my name is Dennis Martinez. I'm the Chief Technology Officer for Harris's Public Safety Business. Okay. So I'm a Harris employee. I apologize for that. That's okay. So, so the, the uh, approximately 13 of the of the required uh, uh, requirements actually were around the computer dispatch system and interfacing to it. Uh, I will add that of the 160 requirements, Harris demonstrated all but 13, and those 13 were predominantly around the CAD interface, which we were denied access to because of proprietary the pr pr proprietary nature of that system. That denial did not allow us the opportunity to demonstrate 100% of the requirements, and therefore the evaluation committee did not have the benefit of seeing that we were able to meet 100% of the requirements as demonstrated. Our competitor did not demonstrate 42 of those 160 requirements. In lieu of demonstration, submitted paperwork. So we submit to you that the commission, oh, sorry, that the evaluation team did not have access to a complete record and in their evaluation process, therefore, we're unable to reach the proper conclusion. And therefore, we ask that you throw this back to the, to the Evaluation Committee for reconsideration and reevaluation based on a more complete view of the record. Thank you very much. Thank you. Mr. Greg Farmer, followed by David Moss. Mayor Sharif, uh, Commissioners. My name is Greg Farmer, and I'm in public safety sales with Harris Corporation. And uh, I would like to. Uh, point out to you, the county commissioners, consider whether this process adequately considered the needs of your first responders. Only two of the seven evaluators were public safety. Uh, you did hear that the technical committee had a lot more public safety, and that was very good. It had five people who were very experienced public safety personnel. They did see multiple days of demonstrations from both vendors. As you've heard, 160 requirements had to be demonstrated. They saw all that. Then what they were allowed to tell the evaluators, they had a checklist where they could check, did we meet the minimum requirements or not? So as it was, both vendors get scored as both meeting the minimum requirements. So why didn't the evaluation committee get to hear the opinions of the, the public safety personnel who will be using this system, who have expertise, who, who worked with both vendors over many days uh, and could have, got, could have given them uh, a lot of good information? The last thing, uh, one example of how public safety needs were not considered is coverage. We all know how important coverage is because we all use cell phones. When you're out of coverage, it's annoying. You miss your call. When public safety is out of coverage, they can be in serious danger. Coverage is the most important thing you're buying with a radio system. Harris proposed to exceed the county's coverage requirements, 96% in some areas, 97 versus the requirement of 95. Motorola met the county's requirements, 95%. I ask you if public safety people were doing the evaluation, do you think they would have discounted that improved coverage that could make a difference in their ability to perform their functions and help your citizens and keep themselves safe? We ask that you send this back to the uh, Committee for reevaluation. Thank you. Thank you. Mr. David Moss, followed by Sammy Brown. Good afternoon, Madam Mayor, Commissioners. I can't do anything about sales. My name is David Moss, and I'm the Vice President of Sales of North America for the Harris Public Safety and Federal Division. 
On behalf of the 6,000 employees in Florida, I want to thank the commission for the ch chance to appear and voice Harris's concerns around the procurement in question. My colleagues have highlighted specific areas of concern that we wanted to bring to your attention, and I just want to capture a few of those. Price, and in reference to the commissioner's uh, point, it's a comparison of the Ford to the Chevy. Uh, it concerns us that you're willing to pay $4 million extra for the Chevy. From a standpoint of scoring the evaluation for technical compliance, twice through the procurement process, the county had the opportunity to qualify the vendor. And twice, and it was a pass or fail, and twice Harris uh, passed that test. Uh, the third and most important area I wanted to touch on was voice and input from the user community. And this decision is critical, as you've seen in some of the things that's happened in the county just recently, is, you know, based on the structure of this procurement process, user input was limited. And also based on my experience of, of seeing several procurements across the country, it was very limited. Lastly, I wanted to touch on the scoring as a whole. Balanced scoring for all criteria around the vendor evaluation, whether it's pricing, technical competence, references, or company standing, should be balanced. Harris officially would like to ask, or ask of the commission today is to send this item back to the evaluation committee for a further review of the proposal based on full, complete, and accurate information. Thank you for your time. Next speaker is Sammy Brown, followed by Joanne Alvarez, to conclude. Hello, I'm Sammy Brown, uh, Secretary for the Broward County Council of Professional Firefighters, and as the end user, the ones who use these radios in the uh, in environments we do and depend upon these radios, we do not support the recommendation of the committee. Um, we support a further evaluation of Harris Company. Um, they're a Florida-based company. They provide new, not refurbished equipment. Um, many other governmental agencies and security agencies are using their equipment and they're depending upon them, so we would support uh, that further evaluation. Thank you. Thank you. That was Mr. Sammy Brown from the Broward County Council of Professional Firefighters. Okay, the next um, speaker to conclude, hey, Joanne Alvarez. <laughs> Hi. From the Federation of Public Employees and BSO Civilian Unit, Mrs. Alvarez. Good afternoon, Mayor and Commissioners. I represent the Broward County Regional Communications over 400 operators strong. I'm here today in support of Harris Communications uh, for all of the reasons um, that were brought out today. There was not enough emphasis given to the evaluators who witnessed the hands-on everyday uh, operation of this equipment, and it was not um, provided to the evaluation committee um, on a level that we feel was appropriate to make a final determination. When a captain um, and a fire chief come to you and say that this is the equipment that we feel our end users are going to be most comfortable with, that should lay uh, a lot of weight. And when the vote was outnumbered in their um, favor, <clears throat> it should raise questions to all of you. Um, we are first responders as well. Um, we live with every day whether or not we can contact the units out on the road. So I would say to you that um, 
better coverage, uh, brand new equipment, and um, a long-term agreement with Harris to make this equipment work for us on the levels that we need it to um, needs to be taken into consideration. And I would appreciate today that you take that um, and all of the information that's been provided to you to make your decision on going forward. Thank you. Thank you. So commissioners, that concludes our public speakers. At this time, I'm going to come back to this dais. Um, I think staff has heard the concerns of the public. Staff has heard the concerns from this dais. Um, the purpose in, in making sure we do that today is to know whether or not you want to, one, go forward with the deferral, or two, go forward with the item. At this time, I need to know if you have any motions for deferral. Motion for a deferral. Do you have a second? Who's seconding? Okay. Right. Okay. So at this point in time, um, for the audience, we've heard your concerns. We want the staff to go back and address them. We do have a motion to defer for two weeks because next week we'll have a workshop, so it won't be heard next week, right? Right. So then that'll be this. That'll be two weeks deferral. Okay. So I have a motion and a second. All in favor of the deferral, signify by saying aye and raise your hand. Aye. All opposed? Okay, so you have two no's and you have five yeses and one absent. Okay, so the motion to defer passes. So we're going to defer item number 35 for two weeks and then we'll come back again. Thank you all for your patience and time. Madam Mayor, procedural question. Yes. You had asked us to hold our question, so we did. Um, but no, I don't want you to hold your questions anymore. I want you to give your questions to the staff. That's what I was going to say. Would you like them submitted in writing? Yes. Instead? Okay, mm -hmm. thank you. Yes. So everybody's question can be answered before this item comes back in two weeks. Okay? All right, cool. Thank you. All righty. Um, so with that, it's 1.22 p.m. I know everybody is really hungry. Um, the next three items that we have to take up are going to be a little bit lengthy. So um, I think that you should take an hour break and we should come back at this. Everybody agree? You at 122 right now. Is that okay? That's not going to give you enough time. I was just going to give you, okay, 215 is fine. Would you, are you okay with that? Commissioner Holness, you look perplexed. You all right? Okay. Alrighty, so we'll break and we'll come back at 2.15 to take up the last three items. Thank you.
Right. You got an attorney? Almost. We need five. Five. All right, we're good. We're good to go. All righty. Do we need we need a county administrator? Reconsider number 16. Huh? Yeah, sure. Okay. And we have three, four, five. We have five. All right, we're going to get started. So we are going to call the meeting back to order. Um, we are now on item number 36. But prior to taking up item number 36, county, I'm going to recognize the county attorney. Um, Madam Mayor, um, just as a housekeeping matter, I apologize, but I'm going to ask the board to briefly reconsider number 16, which is the negligence lawsuit settlement. We had inadvertently left off the actual settlement agreement, and I would like to have your approval of that. So if you reconsider and then approve it, um, we'll have the technical thing taken care of. Motion to reconsider. Second. All those in favor signify by saying aye. Aye. All opposed. Motion okay. to approve the agreement. Second. Okay, all those in favor of the agreement as attached, signify by saying aye. Aye. All opposed, let the record show that that passes unanimously. Thank you very much. Okay, now we're on to item number 36. It's a motion to approve the Broward County Board of Commissioners 2017 legislative program. Any discussion? Yes, Commissioner Holness followed by Lamarca. Uh, I, I don't see... Uh... Eddie Labrador. Yeah, Mr. Labrador is not here. But let me just let he, me just he, put. He's on his way. But go ahead. The, the one item I'd like to have us consider added uh, is to uh, put on the table to our state legislature that the North Broad Hospital District uh, board members be elected locally. No, I know that is uh, <laughs> maybe a pipe dream or, or whatever you call it. But, I, but I, I do believe that we ought to at least put that out there. Uh, I understand Tampa Bay has a system that's actually elected locally. Uh, and, and, and I know the situation that we're in now with uh, the party that's in the governor's mansion. Uh, probably not willing to do it. But if we put it out there early enough, over time, I think maybe we'll get to it. Uh, and, 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 and I think it's an idea that is important because the local taxpayers pay for this system. Uh, is it? In, in Are you going to want to put that for both? In the North part. and South Broward? Yes. Okay. Yes. So you'd have to include, you couldn't do yeah. one without right. that. We'll do both. North and South, that we that we, we looked for the hospital districts uh, be elected uh, by the people who pay for it. 
uh, in mo for, for the most part. I, mean, I know they get revenues uh, probably a small amount elsewhere, but at, at the end of the day, it's the taxpayers who carry this, and they ought to have representation. I think there's a thing that says uh, there shouldn't be tax ta uh, taxation without representation. Uh, no proper taxation without <laughs> representation. So, so uh, I, I'd like for us to consider that as a part of our uh, legislative package. Well, again, okay. the, um, this is an item that the board really needs to deliberate on. I, um, okay, so I I need to ask first, Mr. Labrador, he, um, because Commissioner Holmes wanted to ask him if that was a possibility, right? So, Ms. Henry, is that okay? It is yes. input. Mr. Labrador. Were you able to this was an issue that uh, Commissioner uh, Holness did raise this issue during his briefing. I had asked Mr. Labrador to look and verify the process that is being used by Hillsborough or Tampa, because I couldn't corroborate at that point that if that were in fact what process they use, how they came about that. And I don't know that you've had it, uh, if you've had a chance to go through the process, but um, so it's not a new issue uh, for Eddie today. We were just in research mode. So with that, I'll turn it over. Uh, thank you, Ms. Henry and um, Madam Mayor, uh, commissioners. Uh, I have my, I've asked my staff to look into that. We have done some preliminary research online uh, and we've got a call into the uh, attorneys over in Hillsborough County just to confirm what we found online. But it looks, it appears that in Hillsborough County, the, they have a hospital authority and that hospital, the governing board members of the hospital authority are uh, appointed by the county commission. They're not elected, but we're trying to confirm that. So I don't have a, a solid answer but that's what it looks to us when we view how their governing board is, is uh, established and, and, and how it's appointed uh, from the online sources that we've seen. Okay. If, if we can get to that, that's more direct representation anyhow. If that's, if, if that's an easier way to go or an interim way to go, I think at the end of the day, uh, the taxpayers ought to be holding people accountable. Sorry, would be would, would be more local because you'd have yes. local elected officials appointing uh, local. authority members. Yes. Okay. Uh, Thanks, Eddie. Okay. All righty. Um, is there any other discussion in terms of of that addition, Commissioner Lamarca? Well, there there is a. My understanding that uh, new Senator Gary Farmer has a. Uh, a bill that he wants to introduce that I believe would either merge the two districts or change the way that they're, that the members are appointed, selected, or elected. Um, so we may want to look at that when you're in your process. Okay. So what I'd like to know, if I may, uh, Mr. Labrador, uh, Ms. Henry. Mr. Labrador. Is what kind of timeline can we expect for you to come back and tell us uh, something uh, as to what the process is, where we go, how we get there. Uh, well, I will tell you that with respect to the hospital districts, it requires a local bill. So we would have to request the local bill to be filed from the delegation. The local bill deadline has passed for this coming session. We could still make a request 
of the chair uh, and, uh, and go through that process and to see whether or not they would entertain uh, a late request from the commission uh, for a local bill, but it does require a local bill because we're talking about two uh, districts that are established by special act of the legislature, and you would have to amend that. Hmm? Who, who is the who is the chair? Bobby DeBlos. Okay. Is that it? Yeah. Okay, Commissioner Rich. Yeah, I, um, I, I just like to say that um, I, I think this is way too late. Excuse me, I just want to have you listen to this because I, I really think this is way too late in the process to initiate something like this. We have not the information that we need uh, to proceed right now, uh, plus the fact that a local bill can be one, one senator can kill a local bill. And my sense would be that a local bill right now would not be going anywhere. So I, I think that it would be better, it would behoove us to have a workshop to, to get information about all different kinds of options that are out there. If we, a lot of us feel there are issues, there are concerns, and see what might be best for Broward County rather than just kind of, you know, going after one thing right now when we really haven't researched what the options are and when, uh, I was going to bring this up with, you know, with the agenda. I mean, I just heard this morning from Sylvia Quintana, who's the CEO of our managing entity, our Behavioral Health Coalition. I mean, I, and I verified it with Ron Book a few minutes ago. Uh, I mean, they are going to slash behavioral health something unbelievable. It's right now $50 million is what they're looking at cutting in this state, which equates to $4.5 million in Broward County. So, I mean, they're in a, in a mode of something that's entirely different than, you know, looking into these kinds of things. I, I would think we should research it and come back next year, you know, with something that we, you know, that we've, we've thought about and we feel, you know, that we all can agree on is good for Broward County involving, as you say, more of the local people in, the, in our community uh, and, you know, dealing with some of the issues that are going on. Even, even merging the hospital districts, I understand, is not, is not a possibility this year because there are some issues about who got the licenses from the federal government. And so I'm not even sure that that's been researched where that could even move uh, forward. So I, I just think, you know, it's, it's, it's very late. We haven't had a chance to really uh, investigate this, talk about it. And I, I would just like to see us not put it on our legislative agenda this year, but wait until next year and when we're thoroughly vetted it. Thank you. Thank you, Commissioner Rich. Commissioner Udine? Just briefly, can we, I know that when the delegation met, they talked about studying the issue. Can we at least go to them and have them include this in the study so that next year we can uh, bring this on, on our platform? Sure. And, and I mean, that would seem to me to be the most logical way to do it. Let, if, include that in the study, direct representation by and, the people and you're electing. Commissioner, that's uh, certainly appropriate and uh, can be raised with them when we do the commission Tuesday, right? uh, yes. workshop next week, correct, on okay. Tuesday. Um, and then the, the last thing that I, uh, I wanted to also bring up on the uh, legislative agenda was the um, gun control and airports. Remember we talked about um, having, having that discussion, not, that, not for this session, but to possibly bring that back at, the, at, at a later date after we've had a workshop about the um, supporting some type of a leg legislation to stop guns from coming through our airport with ammunition. Okay? Yes. So, it, I mean, I know it has to be federal and it has to be Congress, but I just want to make sure that locally we're 
putting something together to talk about that. Right, but I just want you to, to know that there is legislation that has already been filed and uh, Senator Greg Stubbe out of Sarasota is the, the primary sponsor of the bill that would well, right, exactly. <laughs> it, it would basically allow folks with concealed weapons uh, to permits open to openly carry and openly carry in airport terminals. Right. We, uh, we so wanna... we have that piece of legislation that we're going to be working against. Of course. Right. We're working against that. But I'm saying, can we at the same time think about ours for next time? We want we don't want the the two to come together in our airport again. I know that it is a long shot. I am not naive by any stretch of the imagination, but I just feel like we really need to take a strong position on that since it occurred in our airport. We really need to push for that. Um, yes, Commissioner Lamarca. From a standpoint of local tweaks that we can do that are not, that have nothing to do with the legislature or the federal government, but uh, procedurally, is it within our purview, and maybe I should ask, Ms. Henry, because it's not really, we're talking about it under legislative, but this is, the, this is the same issue. Is there a way that we can look at issues of, uh, of how we handle uh, concealed, uh, concealed weapons in a, in luggage, the, the whole process that, that went on, is there a way we can possibly have a, uh, a point of connection in the airport in each uh, baggage terminal where somebody would go to pick that up? You know, we're not infringing on anybody, but at the same time we're saying, all right, well, we want you to pick it up at this counter in each of the four four terminals, and at least at that point, somebody can be aware. I don't know. Of what's this going is on. this is something we we can certainly um, ask um, our airport partners, TSA airlines, um, what the what such a procedure would look like and and how supportive they would be. Again, we're not taking anybody's rights I, away. At the same time, we're making sure it. that we know we have eyes on whatever's going on through that airport and. I don't think there's anything that Tallahassee could do one way or the other to keep us from changing the procedure at our airport, correct? I don't know. I don't have an answer, so let me let me look into that. Okay. I, I don't know. I'll, I'll, Thank you. I will look into that. There would likely be some federal, some federal issues. Pardon me. We'll um, cooperate with the, with the administrator to see what federal law limitations we have. Okay. All right. So... With that, that, that concludes the discussion. If um, that is it, then maybe we can get a vote, a motion. To improve the legislative agenda. In its original form. No, it's amended. It's not amended. You want the behavioral help? You got that, Eddie? Okay, perfect. Perfect. So it's amended. Okay. Yes, Commissioner Lamar. Okay. I, I was. I was wanted to be in the queue for after Commissioner Holmes as we dealt with that issue, and so just just on on what we have as a legislative agenda, I don't know that um, I don't know that I've been supportive of every single thing we've had in every in every year on the agenda, and I am this year. I'm very proud that we have a unanimous. Uh, we'll have a unanimous vote to support this. Um, one of the one of the things that I always advocate other members do, and a lot do, but not necessarily all, is um, it's being suggested by the new speaker that we're we're the lobbyists for our local government now we know we have our own staff to help with that and, and our own uh, contract lobbyists but nothing sells a member and we have three former ones here four 
important members here, nothing sells somebody on how important and how uh, dedicated the electeds and the community are to an issue as if we show up. So I'm just suggest suggesting on the issues that we're that are important to us individually that we show up. And I also want to thank uh, our legislative okay. staff. Uh, for including the state funding priority for the 12 boys and girls clubs in our county, especially the three that we're responsible for. And with that, I'm going to support the item. Okay. I have Commissioner Ryan in queue. First, on the, on the gun issue, um, the legislature uh, allows persons that come into the capital, to the state capital, uh, to bring uh, a weapon. Uh, but what the sergeant of arms does, and this, this is what they were doing when I left the legislature, I imagine they're doing the same thing. Um, when you come in and you declare your weapon, then you are followed by one of the sergeants uh, throughout the Capitol. And you're not allowed in a committee room um, with a weapon, but um, something like that uh, may be um, a way to handle persons who who uh, carry weapons in airports, whether they, um, you know, currently they're not allowed to carry a weapon, but you are allowed to transport it uh, in your checked luggage. But, you know, having a separate area where you pick it up and then having somebody from, I imagine it would be BSO, that would just kind of like follow you until you've left the airport property, that might bring a level of safety without, um, as you said, Commissioner Lark, uh, impinging on Second Amendment rights. Uh, the second item, which is about us being more active in legislating uh, or in the legislative process, uh, we do have uh, new members that are old hands up in Tallahassee, so going back to Tallahassee is, a, is a, I think, a very good idea. But let me suggest that we stagger our visits. There's no need to have two county commissioners, you know, you got a, a two-month session to be up in Tallahassee at the same time. And obviously, you know, the mayor has to go up uh, once or twice, uh, maybe more frequently. And uh, I'd be happy to go up for a week. And I know Senator Geller would and you know, Senator Rich. Yeah. And um, we should probably, though, go on, on, separate, yeah, on separate occasions. <laughs> Two, three days. They don't even meet the whole week. They, they meet from like Tuesday through Thursday. Yeah. You could go up all week, but uh, <laughs> I would go Tuesday through Thursday. And um, I think we would maximize our effectiveness. And with the speaker having this new mandate that county commissioners and local elected officials should lobby on their own, we would put them to the test. And I think we might actually have some success, in, at least on the House side, um, uh, by you know, doing uh, some lobbying in person. So it, it is a good suggestion, Commissioner Lowarker. You don't always have good suggestions, but that was a good one. <laughs> okay. Yes. Most of the time. Commissioner Rich. Yeah. I just want to follow up on that. And, and maybe, um, is Eddie still here? Did he leave? Yeah. Yes. Oh, here he is. Here he is. Um, maybe um, you could, um, you know, work with our offices because I've already called, you know, contacted people about certain issues and when they believe uh, issues with, you know, appropriations for uh, human services, for seniors, for those kinds of things, you know, and the behavioral health will be will be the most critical time to be there. So if you, we could just kind of work through that with you. And Absolutely. And we can, you know, figure out what's the best week for each of us to go, who's ever going to go, um, We'd be based happy. on what the agenda is going to be. Sure. Yeah. We'd be happy to do that and work with each one of your offices and your staffs to, um, 
select the proper time when you could you could visit to Tallahassee and, and work with us in lobbying our county issues. Yeah. Perfect. Okay, so we had a motion, we had a second. All those in favor of approving the legislative agenda as modified, signify by saying aye. 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 All opposed? Let the record show item 36 passes unanimously. We are now on to item number 38, which is a motion to designate a countywide business organization to appoint an individual representative to serve on the independent board to nominate the next county auditor and an alternate in the event that the state of Florida Auditor General declines to appoint a member. Okay, so I got Commissioner Furr, Geller, Lamarca, Holness. Okay. Uh, actually, I actually have a question for Evan. Are there are there local business organizations like for char for CPAs, auditors, um, that would? I mean, uh, the 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 fallback is to immediately go to the alliance or to uh, yeah. small business. But I but I am interested oh. to know if there's local yeah. chapters for certified Mr. public Rich, accounts. The, the two most notable organizations would be the Florida Institute of Certified Public Accountants. They have a local chapter. Okay. Another would be the uh, Institute of Internal Auditors. They also have a local chapter. Uh, so you could could either suggest to your business organization or whatever or nominate them uh, because I do believe and I would recommend that the committee have at least uh, two members or one or two members that have a, an understanding of financial matters and auditing. Uh, can you can you repeat that? The, uh, you, would would you would recommend those the Institute two chapters? of Internal Auditors. Uh, their national organization with a local chapter and the FICPA is another. Uh, <clears throat> the other alternative may be, if I may speak, is you, when you talk to the, when the president of the Broward Community College or designee, I doubt the president himself would serve, but his designee might be a, an accounting professor from the university. And that okay. might be communicated as a preference or something like that, okay. if that's permissible. But it, it certainly seems like, you know, knowledge of the profession and what auditors do uh, sometimes it's very elusive to understand that. Right, and, it and might be beneficial to have someone that does it. Wait, right, and that's my point. I think I think it makes sense for us to try to find <coughs> some people that know the the business itself, yeah. and find out those local chapters and and have them weigh in on this. Okay. Anybody else? Um, we've got uh, Geller, Lamarca, Holness, Eudeen, Rich. Thank you. Thank you. Um, um, Vice Mayor Furr made some of the same remarks I was going to when I was in Tallahassee. I know Senator Rich did the same, Representative Ryan did the same. Um, we worked on a regular basis with FICPA, Florida Institute of Certified Public Accountants, who was generally regarded as the, the standard on accounting issues. Uh, I did discuss this with the auditor who, said, who advised me if there is a local chapter. Um, I would recommend now, again, one of the questions is, will the Auditor General actually make a designee? I've been led to believe more likely than not he would, he would not. At least that's what I've been informed. So I would certainly recommend that we either appoint an individual representative from countywide business organization or, as is phrased here, an alternate for the state of Florida Auditor General, I would recommend that at least one of those two be uh, a representative of the local chapter of the FICPA. Um, the question I have is it says an individual representative from a countywide business organization. I'll ask the attorney if I may, does that mean we must designate an individual or can we 
ask the organization to designate that person. In short, I think you can ask the organization to designate. Um, in rereading this this morning, because I have to tell you, these provisions were written for the original appointment, and they don't fit well into, I guess they just wanted Evan to be here forever. <laughs> so um, um, it does say, and, and I think this is something that you're going to want to do, that after the independent board is appointed, it says that that's subject to ratification by a majority of the county commission. Then it goes on to say, honor before July 1, 2003. But I would suggest to you that whatever board members come back, particularly if an organi organization designates um, its own representative, that the entire board be ratified by this board. Because I think that's consistent with it, with the language. Okay, so, because uh, I just, Madam Mayor, uh, I just saw it says, uh, that the subject ratification an individual representative from a countywide that. district. That's why I was asking. That. We don't need to that. nominate that individual. Says, you don't need to be chosen by. But I think we should ratify. Look at okay. That's right. not what he's saying. Look with that. Thank you. Okay. This, uh, yes, uh, Commissioner Rich. Yeah, I just wanted to say that what what it says here is that the countywide business organization to appoint an individual representative. So they, they are responsible for appointing, not, not uh, the way I'm reading it, we're not. The organization itself is supposed to appoint a representative, individual representative from their organization. So, but the thing that I really am concerned about is, is the timing of this. I mean, I, I, they, you have to come back here, get approval. You have 90 days uh, of, um, that it's authorized, a maximum of 90 days for the interim uh, um, County auditor to to be in place, and then in 90 days you have to have. Is that correct? No. I, that, I, if, I mean, that's um, what I'm, if I could suggest, I think that you can take action with none of it to be effective until the position is vacant. So I think you can take action on 38 and 39, and in fact, if you come back and ratify the um, board on February 7th, um, you could defer any. Um, effective date of your appointments or your designations until the point of vacancy and and then that sort of maximizes the time that the board can meet during that 90-day period okay but my understanding was that mr. Luca you were you were leaving on the 3rd of February so we're talking about doing this on the 7th and you know that doesn't kind of work it may not be vacant yeah. until sometime after the third okay well that's what I'm asking so um. I made my original announcement in December uh, because I knew there would be the first time doing this and there is a need to get started on the recruitment process, which I believe is underway. Uh, recognize that the committee once established is simply nominating. They will do their interviews with the candidates that are shortlisted by this firm and then nominate. Uh, so I think 90 days in that context should be sufficient. Having said that, I said I intended to retire February 3rd, and it clearly is my intention. If there is a compelling reason that I not do so, I would be willing to stay some period of time, but not indefinitely, nor for an extended period. Okay? <laughs> so if, if we're talking a week or so, you know, I, I think I could deal with it, but I, I'm 
seriously interestingly. <laughs> uh, Mayor, this is okay, starting listen. to sound like okay. a country western song. Listen, I, I I'll stay as long said, as you will let me. Listen, I already said <laughs> this is like a marriage. Right? I want to help. I, I also, okay. you know, I've been here to help all these years. I, I don't want to leave you high and dry. But I sort think of like we're going to be country okay, western though. theme. I mean, I think with the plan that we have in place, we're just we're going to be just fine because so. once um, Mr. Lukic's, um resignation uh, is in place, and and we have we've utilized the time as the county attorney has laid out, I think we're going to be just fine. And Bertha's already started with the headhunter organization to start getting us candidates, and so I, I think this is a matter of. Uh, maybe a month or two before we can we can have our new auditor in place and we already have someone on 39 for the interim right. so we have an we have somebody already um selected right for the interim so we can um kind of get through this so i think we're going to be fine i'm going to continue with the queue commissioner lamarca has been patiently waiting followed by commissioner wholeness then Eudine. my so uh, when, when Mr. Lucas was talking, regard, for example, regarding the Broward College, which says Broward Community College, which is an entity that doesn't exist anymore, but I'm assuming, I'm assuming that becomes Broward College, um, I had the opportunity to speak to uh, President Armstrong because this is a public item, um, just to let him know that this might be coming, coming up, and he mentioned that there was an, an internal auditor that they have that he's very he's very happy to suggest and he was very happy to suggest that he would probably not be the right person himself but the auditor would be um <laughs> and so, so uh with regard to other other organizations on here um i know that it's been uh the alliance's name has come up um and uh miss henry when i met with you yesterday is there anything legally that requires us to uh work with a quote-unquote public business organization as opposed to, for example, the workshop, the execs association, or, or any other, because the, the, the certified public accountant organization is not public. It's not a governmental entity, I'm saying. So, and again, and I, and I do apologize, because when I spoke to you, uh, that's where I, <laughs> I, I took the literal meaning of countywide business organization. So I was looking for countywide business organizations. Subsequently, um, the county attorney advises that um, because I guess there wasn't a specific definition that being able to use um, accounting associations would be uh, appropriate. So any entity at that point, if it it's a business organization, okay. I mean, I, I would work, and I'll just let her let Joni elaborate some more. Okay. Well. I would I would suggest it just from my my perspective I would I would certainly uh, suggest we reach out to President Armstrong regarding his the person he had mentioned and I'd feel feel comfortable uh, in in that process if we were talking to the alliance or talking to the workshop I mean these are folks that we know who are successful in in the on the business side of things and, and the accounting side of things and there are other other folks uh, from local uh, auditing firms that I know are members of the uh, members of the alliance members of the workshop for example that would be good to speak with again we, we can drag this out as long as you're willing to I, uh, again you I said have, two weeks so I don't think it's that's I, not gonna, I just wanted to elaborate um, for the four entities where it's clear the state the Attorney General etc 
Um, letters have already gone out uh, to those individuals because that's what the charter requires. The one area where um, I have not sent out a letter and that's for the countywide business organization. So as soon as you've given me the name of that organization, then we'll do that and, it, and also give me the backup organization in the event that the Attorney General, I how, mean the Attorney How do we, Madam Mayor, how do, how do you suggest we do this, Madam Mayor? I mean, do we, do we, do we all say, hey, the Alliance, the workshop, or? Well, um, I guess what the staff was hoping for is that you, you could just throw out, give them a list of businesses or people that you're looking at and they can go and um, I guess come back at a, at a different time with uh, you know our definite confirmation of who we're going to have. I would suggest the alliance in the workshop and I thought the alliance was a good one too. Yes. Um, but let me continue with the queue and then we can go from there. Commissioner Holness. Yes thank you. Uh, I'm glad to hear that President Armstrong would uh, have their internal auditor as the designated person in that we uh, could rely on someone with some expertise in that area. And, and the suggestion for uh, replacing the state of Florida Auditor General with uh, an accounting entity in terms of an organization is okay. But in terms of a representative from a countywide business organization, I, I would seriously want us to consider our small business advisory group if, if that is appropriate, uh, county attorney? Yes. It is? Yes. Okay, so, so I would suggest that, I know at least there's one CP, I believe, on, on, on that advisory board. And, and, and the reason is this, that these are folks who are somewhat familiar with our, pra our practices already. And, and are affected by decisions that we make. Uh, they're engaged uh, in, in, in what we do and how we do it in terms of our, our whole processes and, and would be able to, in my mind, uh, appropriately, appropriately vet whoever is coming in with appropriate questions as it pertains to what uh, the auditor does. That many of them have actually had audits done uh, by our auditor, so they would, in my mind, understand the process more than any other entity uh, that I can think of. Okay. Commissioner Udine, followed by Commissioner Rich. Thank you, Madam Mayor. Um, my, I'm glad that the Broward College would, uh, I don't know if they've agreed to that or just that was the thought that was out there, but I would like to see one, at least one, possibly two. I mean, I'd rather see two people with auditing experience on this committee um, for, for number five, which is the one that we were talking about as our board appointment, I'm okay with the institute or CPA institute with the Broward, uh, local Broward branch, I think that's good. And I think I'd like to, uh, if we did use the small business advisory board, which is fine by me, if we tell them we, we want to insist that the person that they send us has accounting experience. That, that, as long as we have people that understand accounting and audits, I think it makes this process a lot smoother and a lot easier. I think the timing is not a real issue. 90 days should be plenty of time to come up and vet what the headhunters already started on and it's, it's not really a huge issue. Okay, Commissioner Rich? You okay? All right. Okay, so you wanna go now? Okay. 
Um, I, 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 feel pretty, I feel pretty strong we need to have either the Institute of Internal Auditors, who you mentioned, and FICPA. I think that gives us, that gives us two organizations, correct? And I, and I think, I mean, this is an incredibly important position. And I know, and I can understand small businesses might have one or two people in there, but I want somebody that has a lot of experience. I want a group that has a lot of experience, who knows the field really well, who can who can reach out and say, I have quite these questions. I, I think we need that. Because um, we rely on you a lot. And wait, I'm going to make. Okay, wait, 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 wait. Before you make a motion, I have like a list close. going. No, no, I just have a list going. No, no, I, I, I need to read the list off again. Okay. And you need two, okay? You need a, a first and you need a second. Yes. Okay? Right? Yes. Okay. So I'm going to read the list off of everybody. Um, you said FICPA? FICPA. FICPA okay. and the internal. The in, I got the, the CPA Institute internal. Internal and auditors. In, internal auditors, right? And FICPA. Okay. And then the next one I have is a small business advisory board. And then the one that I have after that is the Broward Alliance. And then I have the Broward Workshop. Okay, so I have one, two, three, four, five. So out of five, we need to get to two, right? Yes. Is it two or the way I read it, it's one plus an alternate right. in case the Auditor General does not make his pick, which is what we anticipate, right. but I think we would have to vote for it as one plus an, a designated alternate. So I was gonna give you your first choice and then a second. So you would vote one as one, and then your second one is number two. So you're going to give each of you are going to have a choice, and I was going to just pass out pieces of paper, and you can just write your one and two out of the five. You only pick in two out of the five. Can we can we work it that way? Can we do that? Whatever you want. Yeah, yeah. That's the only way we're going to get. Yeah. Okay. So let's pick it now. All right. So you, out of the five, you need two, but when you write them down, put your one as one and your two as two, okay? Got it? You can use a piece of paper or just to, okay. Come on, guys, we can handle sign, this. We can handle this. And commissioner, sign, sign and your piece your of paper. Okay, and each commissioner put, put your, your name, name district number, and sign your piece of paper. It's a lot of initials, a lot of initials there, Mr. Auditor. Yeah, most professions have a lot of that, uh, that stuff. I know. I've got a few. <laughs> so they want to do number 39? Yes. Okay. Small Business Advisory Board, and then the Small Business Advisory Board, the Business Broward Alliance, and the Broward Workshop. You have five to pick from. Here. Mayor. Hey, yes. While you're going through that, um, Daphne just brought me the letter from the Auditor General from the state of Florida. Uh-huh. 
Miss Cheryl Norman. Uh-huh. Thank you for your letter dated January 20th, inviting me or my designee to serve. Dot, dot, dot. Regrettably, I am required to decline your invitation. Okay. Without dot, 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 dot. <laughs> you got it? So you you're picking two. That's fine. Okay. All right. So, yeah, just two. Just your two. Monica, do I? Yeah, just two. Yes, he has to sign it. And put your district. No, no, no. Make him Yes, Ms. Henry. Given, given that the uh, Charter Review Committee is currently meeting, this letter says she is required to decline, and she cites Section 1145, Sub-3, uh, Florida statutes provides the Auditor General with audit authority over Broward County, thus it is possible that I might audit the county at a later date Involvement with the process of selecting oh. a county auditor is incompatible with the independence required of an auditor. So uh, we, we probably need to have the Charter Review Committee look at this so we're not faced with this again. Excuse me? No, he doesn't need to. Wait a minute. It's okay. It's okay. Yes. Thank you, Madam Mayor. In the event that we address that issue to the Charter uh, Review Committee, I would also ask that we ask them to consider the wisdom of having the Bar Association make an appointment. I'm a lawyer, I love legal groups, but this is way outside the expertise of the Bar Association. Wait, you just said you want to consider having the Bar Association make the no. appointment. No, 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 it's on there now, and I would recommend that we consider if we're going to ask the Charter Review to look at the issue of the Auditor General being removed, I would suggest we also ask them to look at the possibility of the County Bar Association being, being removed, removed right. because it's not in their expertise. We should be doing the I know, but the thing is that all of them should be removed yes. because it should be up to this board to decide who our auditor is. So that's, that's kind of where I was going with it. I think all of them need to be removed. But um, with that, that being said, we have a process we need to get through now because everyone wants to see his grandchildren. <laughs> I'm not saying I'm mad, Evan. I'm not. Uh, well, no, you're not going there today. You, you know you helped them to do this. I didn't do this. This is your, remember, 12 noon is my cutoff. Um, do we have the tallies yet? Because in order for us to go to number, okay, we do. Yes. Are we good? Yes. Do you want the auditor to review? I was joking. Recuse myself. You like me to? Yes. So um, FICPA is the first, and uh -huh. we have a tie for the second. Uh huh. Would you like me to tell who it is, and then we yes. can do a tiebreaker? Okay. It's between the Alliance and the Institute of Internal Auditors. They both received three votes. Okay. 
So, yeah, so just vote on that. for one. I think we need the. Well, my, my point is that we, when Evan made a suggestion of FICPA or IAA, they were both filling the same space, if you will, and now there's still. So, just so I'm clear, one would be for the, the Auditor General from the state of Florida, and the other one would go down under, under business? Yes. I think that we need a, real, a true business entity, and that's more yeah. the alliance than we it is need the a, auditors. A real business entity. <laughs> I, I'm okay with the alliance. But doesn't the alliance then have the same thing that the state auditor general just send us the letter on? Because theoretically, don't we fund them at some point, and don't we audit them? And I, I'm good with them. I think it can be worked around. But to, to that to that point, my office has audited them. So it makes more sense having an independent, certified public accountant on there than an agency that we audit. Okay. Okay. Yes. Yes, no. Commissioner Rich. No. I, I, I just would like to reiterate that this thing is not going on. Yeah, that th this does call for a business organization, mm -hmm. and uh, we should have at least one business, or I think one business organization, and then the CPA organization. So it kind of balances <coughs> it out because it does say in this thing that we'd like to get rid of <laughs> that we should have a business just organization. Evan, if I could. The, the, so you'd mentioned that you there is a chance that you would audit because it, we they receive public funds, the alliance, but that wouldn't be the case for, say, the broad workshop because they're individual, 100 individual businesses. I don't believe we have any authority over the workshop. We've never audited them. I have audited the alliance. I did a performance review some seven or eight years ago. Okay. Yeah, because there was a lot of discussions at the board level about their performance. Remember the years back mm -hmm. when we had some issues? Yes. Question of the yes, Commissioner Geller. Thank you, Madam Mayor. Um, Ms. Coffey, would you consider the Broward chapter of the Florida Institute of Certified Public Accountants to be a countywide business organization? I, I think that there's a strong argument that, that it can be because these folks run their own professional associations, their own businesses. They do it for money, their business. And, okay, so, uh, it, so it would be your opinion that if we, since we've already chosen, uh, FICPA, if that would satisfy the individual representative from countywide business organization? Yes. Well, okay. we have two because both. I, I understand, but I was just checking whether. Yes. Okay, met that one. Thank you. Okay, so um, at this point, it would be between the Broward Workshop and the uh, Institute of Internal Auditors. Okay, so we got everybody's got it. So you need to take just choose one. Well, no, because we've already gotten out. We already took out the five, and we're down to the tiebreaker. The tiebreaker was just essentially taken away by the Broward. We can't do the Broward Alliance. The Broward Workshop was already on the initial list, so we were going. The bro, they didn't. Okay, so we they didn't they had a conf, we didn't have the conflict before. Okay, so Commissioner Holness, what do you want to vote for? I mean, you could just put it out there, and that way we can we can kind of um, what do you want to do? 
Yeah, I, I don't know the other entities that that hadn't been mentioned on the list other okay. than the so alliance the, and uh, IA. We have this. We have five out of the uh, on the first list, and the small business um, advisory oh, yes. board was on there. Are you saying you want to consider want, want, that again? Yes. Yes. Okay. Perfect. Yes. I could be wrong, but if there was FICPA one outright, yeah. and then there was a tie between two other groups, and one of the two was disqualified, doesn't that mean that the other one that was tied automatically becomes the only second place winner? Well, the reason why... three votes out of six. Uh, uh, because yeah. of the fact that we didn't know that the one we oh, voted right. on had a conflict in the beginning, okay. it would have never been voted on, so you don't know who would have been in a tie with no, it. So... Um, I'm going to, okay, so how about we do this? Would you like for me, I can eliminate the Florida Institute of Public Accountants from the list of five, okay? So I'll eliminate them outright. I'll put the four back on the table and you choose one. I took the alliance off already. So then I'll put the three back on the table and you choose one out of three. Okay. Why don't, why don't, why don't so I'm going to give you the a motion for the second one, and we'll vote it up or down. <laughs> because it's it's. Because you have three on the floor right now. <clears throat> That's what I'm. Okay, so we have three on the floor. So let me just read the three on the yes. floor. You guys take a piece of paper, write down one out of the three. And then we're going to vote again, okay? Good. So the three that you're voting for right now would be, one, the Small Business Advisory Board. Two, it's going to be the Broward Workshop. And three would be the Institute of Internal Auditors. So those are the last three left. And this is replacing whoever the Auditor General would have, would have. Yeah, any, it would be. So Yeah, you can have it. That's for you. No, it's for you. Bogan gave, gave me a um, handful one day, and they were all full. And the time has gone by, everybody's taken them. God, look at that signature. Horrible. It's a horrible signature. It shouts out that the Catholic school beat your fingers when you shouts out a few things. I don't know about creativity. Um, I can't because I need to discuss the appropriate action. Well, we could vote on the interim county uh, auditor right now 
if you would like to do that, we could. Yeah. Uh, auditor, we're going to go. We're going to move the agenda to item 39 while we wait on the tally. So. Item 39 is a, is a motion to discuss and take appropriate action. Um, and I have uh, submitted a re recommendation to the interim uh, auditor could be uh, to facilitate this process and then continue the operations of my office in my absence. Um, and that nominee is Kathy Ann Hewlett. Uh, she's my deputy. I believe she's in the audience. Uh, she left. She Maybe wanted to see her kids. Well, she's, she's, she's tallying the votes. Perhaps. She's here. She's here. She's here. I believe uh, Kathy has the requisite experience to continue the office. Uh, she's worked with me uh, for 10 years. Part of that, she's uh, she's been a CPA for over 20. Uh, many of you may know her. She has sat in this seat on occasion, and uh, she's been extremely helpful in uh, administering my office. So I recommend her highly, and uh, that's why I say take appropriate action. I want to. If someone else has another idea of someone else, it's certainly open. Well, I make a motion that we appoint Kathy Ann Hewlett as the interim county auditor. Second. And that's okay. effective upon vacancy in the auditor position. Upon vacancy of the auditor's position. Okay. So, listen, he is asking, he is asking to be released from his responsibilities. He's not even, he, he, he's clearly stated that he would like to see his grandkids, okay? I understand you want to see your grandkids. So, all those in favor of releasing the county auditor to see his grandkids on item number 39, signify by saying aye. Aye. All opposed? Uh, Mayor, would you please restate the motion? <laughs> no. I'm just kidding. So all those in favor of appointing Kathy, Catherine, Kath, Kathy Ann Hewlett as the um, interim county, aud uh, county auditor, signify by saying aye. Aye. All opposed? Okay. And that, yeah, that is upon vacancy in the position. As stated in the motion. Okay. All right. Mayor? Do we have, yes, ma'am. Um, would you like um, HR and the county attorney's office to work with her? Yes. On, okay. On the salary and all the other stuff? Yes. Okay. Do we have to have the amendment to the motion or no, are we good with I that? No, I mean, I just wanted to make sure before okay. we your steps are back. Got your results. We have the results? Yes, ma'am. Okay. Drum roll, please. Ready? It was close. We almost had another tie. So um, the second slot will be um, filled by the Institute of Internal Auditors by the votes. Okay, so that it is. Okay, so now we need a motion on item number 38 to designate to fill the vac... To... I need a motion to accept the nomination. Make a motion... Make a motion to accept FICPA as the business organization, county business organization, and the Institute of Internal Auditors as the substitute for the Auditor General. Perfect. Okay, Something all those like in favor signify by saying aye. Aye. All opposed? Let the record show that that passes. Item number 38 passes unanimously. I did. He did. And then um, the last item on the agenda is item number 43. It was a motion to approve the nominations appointing county commissioners. Um, I understand that Vice Mayor Fur is wanting to um, be, released. be released from his duties. 
on the school oversight committee. Uh, so we need a volunteer to serve on the board for the school oversight committee. And it, the, the meetings occur on which Wednesday? Second Wednesday of the month, and what time? 12 o'clock noon. Tim? Vice Commissioner? No? No? Vice Mayor doesn't want to do it? Yes? Okay. <laughs> No, well, Commissioner Holmes shook his head and said he would do it. No, no. I've already done it. I, uh, can we reconsider the vote to relieve me? Okay. So uh, we, what we'll do is we will um, we'll take a we'll nominate uh, Commissioner Bogan to serve on the school <laughs> oversight committee. <laughs> and then um, what I'll do is I'll serve as his alternate if he can't do it. All right. I, well, my 18-year-old has been brainwashing Haley, and what you don't know is that Haley would not be a good person to serve on the school oversight committee right now. <laughs> yeah, you need to talk to Haley. All right. So um, with that, I had a, a motion and a second, right? All those in favor signify by saying aye. Aye. All opposed? Opposed. I want him to continue to be my friend. You can't abstain. You're sitting on the dais. You don't even have a conflict. You have to vote yes or no. You're sitting on the dais. Okay. Uh, well, dais, if I vote no, what's the vote You know what? How about a motion to reconsider and appoint Geller as the primary on the school oversight committee and Ryan as the secondary? Or Oh, yeah. Okay, there we go. So that disposes of that item. The minute secretary, Commissioner Bogan, will be the uh, appointee for the school oversight committee, and I would back him up if he can't make it as a second, as an alternate. And you better vote yes now. Oh, really? Okay. Scratch that. Commissioner Ryan will be the alternate. <laughs> All right. So that disposes of item number 43. Um, now we're going to be on to the reports, the mayor's report. Really? Non-agenda. Yes. Did he really what? He voted against it. No, I was joking. I'm still the second. No, no. Bogan is the primary. I'll be his alternate if he can't make it. No. You know he does, right? Okay. I can see the tears from Arizona. I think Ron hasn't tweeted it out yet. Okay. The mayor's report. Okay, on, on Monday, January the 16th, you know, we celebrated Martin Luther King Jr. Day. Um, had a great time um, at the parades. We had lots of them. It's really a nice day. Uh, last Friday, oh God, last Friday I um, had the opportunity to go to Washington, D.C. 
And um, I was present for the uh, inauguration and a couple of other things like the Women's March, and I thought it was, um, it went quite well considering. Um, <laughs> there was a few fires, some rock throwing, but um, we got through it all together. And uh, hopefully we can move forward. Uh, let's see. Yes. You want it to mail? Oh, okay. Sidebar. Yeah, we need a few of those. <laughs> Alrighty, so the next thing that we're going to do is we're going to do the non-agenda um, non for commissioners. I will start on my right with Commissioner Geller. Uh, thank you, Madam Mayor. Uh, just a brief comment. I received an email today from uh, Lori Parrish and a bunch of other people on tennis courts at C.B. Smith Park, and I found the timing interesting since I held a public hearing on that yesterday over at C.B. Smith Park um, to try and resolve issues on the tennis courts there. Um, I'm very pleased to say county staff was tremendously cooperative. The, our parks director was there as well as the local director of, of C.B. Smith Park and some others, and it is, we're trying to balance costs versus uh, needs there and um, I think based on our conversations yesterday that we will be able to work something out to uh, preserve the tennis courts there but we, we need better numbers than what we have now is the problem and they say that they'll uh, work on developing those numbers yes sir uh, CB Smith Park is in my district thank you Commissioner Holness yes thank you uh, Indeed, this uh, MLK weekend was really grand. Uh, I want to start by thanking our community partners, uh, the volunteers, and our county staff led by Mr. Alfonso Jefferson, uh, who came out to the Broad Municipal Service District, the unincorporated area, for a day of service on Saturday, January 14th. We had three giveaways, door-to-door -door vulnerable pop population registry, smoke alarm installation, trash collection, painting and, uh, of homes and more. It was a great day. And again, I want to thank uh, all those who came out to volunteer uh, for a day of service. I think it's uh, great to do that in honor of one of our greatest leaders, Dr. Martin Luther King. Tomorrow from 6 p.m. to 8 p.m., Broad County Parks will host the three-on-three -three Hoop It Up basket gate ball game at Roosevelt Gardens Park located at 2841 Northwest 11th Street uh, in our unincorporated area. It is a friendly game that will promote community unity with friendly three-on-three -three basketball games involving local youths, deputies, and firefighters from the Broad Sheriff's Office and its Broad Fire Rescue. The event is free and open to the public. Refreshment and entertainment will be provided. Also, if you have a high school senior, please let them know about the College and Career Summit to be held this Thursday, January 26th from 8.30 a.m. to 1.30 p.m. at the Atlantic Vocational College, uh, the Arthur Ashe Campus at 1701. Northwest 23rd Avenue in Fort Lauderdale 33311. Uh, this is an important event which will help high school seniors determine and plan their next step before graduating. 
For more information, uh, you may contact Dr. Cherie Portier at 754-321-1600. On Saturday, January 28th, Mount Bethel Human Services and Broward Aware presents the 3311 Family Festival. This free event will include a fun 2.3 mile community walk, spoken word competition, children's fitness activities, and much more. The 33311 Family Festival takes place from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. at Joseph C. Carter Park, located at 1450 West Sunrise Boulevard, Fort Lauderdale 33311. On Saturday, February 4th, Broad County Library and Broad County Parks, in partnership with the Urban League of Broad County, presents the Old Harlem Black Party at Delaval Park. This free event kicks off Black History Month and is from 12 to 4 p.m. at Delaval Park, located at 2520 Northwest 6th Street in Fort Lauderdale, Florida, 33311. Commissioner Lamarca. Thank you, Mayor. I uh, had the uh, opportunity to participate a, a week ago Sunday in uh, the hands-on MLK Supper at uh, Delavo Park. I was hoping to see Commissioner Holness there, but he was probably gearing up for the Monday events. Uh, but it was a, it was a well-attended event, and uh, then had the opportunity to spend some time in Oakland Park, uh, who had the, only their uh, second annual MLK event, and then Deerfield Beach, where I usually spend some time. And I want to uh, I want to thank Representative uh, Ted Deutsch for providing me with tickets to the swearing-in. Uh, he did go, so he didn't give me his, but apparently he didn't know too many people that would be using them. So I want to thank him. Uh, yeah, yeah, I had a little extra left over. Um, but he, uh, just uh, to, to mention him as well, he has committed on some issues that are very important for us here in Port Everglades being one of them. The commitment was that if he didn't work real hard on Port Everglades, not only I would find him, but uh, uh, Representative um, Frankel would find him as well. Uh, one other, uh, a couple things here. If, if you all are looking for something to do Thursday night, uh, the Florida Panthers honor a veteran every every home game, and this week they're going to be honoring on Thursday Ryan Ryder, who used to work in my office, who is a former Marine um, at, the, at the halftime. Also, uh, on Saturday in Pompano Beach, we're going to be having uh, the 12th or 13th annual Unity in the Community, which is a great opportunity for everyone to get together from across the city of Pompano Beach and really northeast Broward. So if you're looking for something to do, come on up. And I also want to congratulate two people who were, uh, they haven't been confirmed yet, I don't believe, but uh, actually one has. Uh, one hasn't, but one is uh, the owner of the Florida Panthers, Vincent Viola, who has been uh, appointed the Secretary of the Army, which uh, is important because it's also the Secretary of the Army who's over the Assistant Secretary, which is in charge of the Army Corps of Engineers, uh, which is the agency that we deal with on beach renourishment, whatever glades, yeah. those types of things. Um, so it's good to have somebody who knows the area down here and, more, more importantly, uh, BM knows our beaches. And knows the other person was uh, General John Francis Kelly, originally of Boston, but uh, spent quite a bit of time at uh, Southcom and Doral, and he's the new Secretary of the Department of Homeland Security and have had the opportunity to reach out to some of his people on our airport issues, and I'd like to make sure that we continue to make those processes and 
and uh, security the best that it can be. And I think we've got the right person at the top of that. So with that, have a great week. Vice Mayor Furr. Thank you. Um, two things. One, the small group that's work that was working uh, formerly with the RRB, uh, the small group that's working with the cities and the county met yesterday, I believe, and have almost finished their work in coming up with the scope for the RFP. So hopefully, I think they were hoping by February 6th to have that ready to go out for an RFP, which is pretty good. Um, and that's they're moving right along. So. Thank you for all your help on that. You've, that's, you've been able to help move this move this along very well. And then secondly, uh, this is Celebrate Literacy Week, and our library has come up with a book called The Namesake. And this is uh, the idea of trying to have a community conversation uh, over on, on one book. And communities throughout the United States do this all the time. Namesake by Kumpa Lahiri. It's a book about, I'm only on third chapter, so I don't know, I don't know how it ends yet. But I know it's a book about the immigrant experience, so I know that part. What? It's from the Broward County Library. Of course it's from the Broward County Library. It took me a long time to get it because there's a lot of people. I'm, I was way late on the waiting list. Um, but the idea is that, you know, you distribute this to as many book clubs in the, in the county and you get NPR to kind of put it out there. And you have a conversation. The, the entire community is able to have a conversation on something. So the namesake, this is the big read for Broward County this year. All right. All right. And that's all I have. Oh, no, I'm sorry. One other thing. On that same part, the uh, national campaign for grade level reading have accepted our application, our local application on that. And we are actually kind of in line to become one of the pace setters, not only in Florida, but in the United States, in showing how we are collaborating not only with the Broward County Public Schools, but the Early Learning Coalition, Children's Services Council. The collaboration itself is working very well and uh, that it's bearing fruit. So I think that's all I have. Thank you. Hey, Mayor, just, and I forgot something. I, I heard through a, a, the grapevine that uh, Vice Mayor Furr is now the chair of the Children's Services Council. Is that true? I am. Congratulations. Yes, I saw that tweeted out. <laughs> tweeted. Tweeted. Yeah, it was the birdie he heard it from. Okay. Vice, um, Commissioner Ryan. I have just one announcement. Uh, this Saturday from 11 a.m. to 3 p.m. at the airport tri-rail station, we have uh, tri-rail fun day. And it's a free event, uh, and it's especially geared towards kids. You can ride uh, to the uh, airport tri-rail station uh, for $5 back and forth on that day. Once you arrive, uh, there's a number of uh, events and face painting. is a lot of fun. And bring out the whole family. Hope to see you there this Saturday. Commissioner Rich. Thank you. Um, just a few things. Um, uh, just wanted to say that it was exciting to see that the Women's March made it to Antarctica just a little bit after <laughs> I left. <laughs> I Unfortunately, because I, I would have been there that. to rally it on the ship. Uh, they had a... They, actually marched on the ship. So it was uh, really cute. And they had big signs that said Penguins for Peace. If you remember, I told you, yes, I'll bring one in for you, Kristen. <laughs> but uh, it, was, it was really very cute um, because the, the treaty is that it's governed by uh, Antarctica is, uh, has a mission of peace and science. So it was science for seals and penguins for peace. So I thought that was really cute. Um, I want to just uh, mention that uh, I'm, I'm um, 
by the way, just to follow up on what you said about the Panthers, I'm excited that I will be going, um, actually with my son who goes to every Panther game, uh, to accept a uh, check. I've been involved with trying to help the uh, Aging Disabled Resource Center just as, 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 L as veterans and seniors are uh, on the list of priorities for the Panthers for the $10,000 that they give out for every home game to some charity in Broward County this year. So the ADRC is receiving, I'm receiving the check for them on uh, Thursday night uh, at the Panther Arena. So it's exciting that they'll yeah. be doing that. Um, I want to mention about um, Medicaid block grant. Um, this, is, this is a very, I, I, I spoke about behavioral health, which is making me sick today with the cuts there. But one of the absolute worst things that we can possibly do for the state of Florida and to the people in the state of Florida is to have a Medicaid block grant. This takes whatever money we would be getting, and unfortunately, because we didn't take the Medicaid expansion, uh, our, our legislature and our governor, um, the formula for a, for a block grant um, is not based on the number of people, unfortunately. It's based on money, what the base amount of money that you have. And we will have, unfortunately, a very uh, low base because we didn't take the $51 uh, billion. So many other states will get more, but no one, no one will get more money than they're getting now because the whole goal is to cut the amount of money that is being spent on Medicaid federally through, throughout the, the nation. So it's going to be, um, and, it, and it can be done by waiver. So I've spoken to our Congress people. I was at the rally to uh, protect Obamacare a week ago Sunday, and um, um, they are they were kind of not really aware um, because it doesn't have to go to Congress. It goes through a waiver, just like when we got a waiver for foster care, uh, for Title IV-E, and so forth. Um, so we, um, it, it's, um, it's something I don't know. I, I can't tell you exactly how we're going to lobby against it, but um, all I know is that maybe we could talk, uh, some of the people uh, that are close with our governor could talk to him and some of the others because um, he has directed, evidently, um, ACA, Justin Senior, who's the head of ACA, under which Medicaid uh, rests, uh, to, to actually try to be one of the pilot states for block granting Medicaid. So um, I just want to alert everybody to that because um, that's going to have a tremendous impact on us in the county, uh, the state. State already this year, $400 million less for the low-income low pool. Somebody's got to make up that money or else our hospital's going to suffer. So. This, and, and, of course, the block branding of Medicaid would have a devastating impact on hospitals as well. Um, I just want to also mention uh, I'm, I, uh, my, my staff and I am excited to say this is the first time I'll be doing this, and they will too. At 5 o'clock today, we'll be participating in the homeless point in time count uh, because it is very important for us to get an accurate count in Broward County of homeless so that we get uh, whatever federal funding we should be receiving. And I, just to show you that we don't receive very much of our federal funding, um, I will be giving this out at the legislative workshop. The Coordinating Council of Broward has put together a piece on affordable workforce housing and solutions and things that we need to lobby for in Tallahassee. Um, and um, uh, I, I just want to tell you that the, the, the amount of money that we have sent over the past five years and what we have received, we, there is a discrepancy we have sent $80 million more for the Sadowski Housing Trust Fund 
through our doc stamps than we have received back. So if you think that that is something that we need to lobby for up in Tallahassee, and that's why I'll be passing this out to, obviously, to all of you and to all the delegation so that we can see that that Sadowski housing money uh, gets, some of it at least, gets back where it belongs. Um, so that's it, and um, thank you. I'll limit my comments to an hour and a half so yeah. that Nan can get out of here Sorry. by five for the yeah. homeless side. Right. <laughs> no, uh, I attended some great events in my district for Martin Luther King Jr. Day, and it was uh, nice to see so many people out there and to bring good wishes from the county. Uh, most of the stuff I was going to say has already been mentioned by other commissioners of different events going on through the county. I did have the privilege of running in an ultra marathon with the property appraiser and Ryan at Vista View Park. <laughs> It was horrible. I'm never doing it again. <laughs> Those are my comments. Thank you. You didn't notice I, I, didn't, I didn't sign up. For okay. <laughs> County attorney? County Six auditor? <laughs> sure. You got some pictures of the kids? Um, <laughs> County administrator? That's it. We are adjourned. Okay.